0: For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mendel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now
1: good morning winnipeg good morning manitoba for all those joining us live this morning on our youtube channel and all of our social media platforms we say good morning universe and welcome to the illegal curve hockey show alongside dave manuk alongside the biggest blue jays fan that i know the biggest ginsburg the biggest he's been tracking flight aware all night long to see if any of the other Dragon's Den participants are flying into Toronto today under the guise of pretending to be Shotan Otani. Uh, It'll be...
2: uh...
1: (laughs) And Drew, even though I'm wearing
2: the Blue Jays hat, Dave Manouk is definitely the Otani of a legal curve. He can do it all.
1: That's right. He, he can he can pitch. He can hit. He's a, fi- a 5 tool player, as we like to say here on Illegal Curve. But uh, as he's sporting the Jays hat and the Seagrams gear, and Dave's wearing the Farmery gear, and I'm wearing the Illegal Curve gear. So nonetheless, it, we are all decked out. We are all swagged out on this Saturday morning edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Good to see you, gentlemen. Such a great time on Thursday night uh, at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue. Thank- it was so great to see so many of you uh, that are frequently in the chat with us. And of course, people who are new to us as well. It was just a tremendous party on Thursday night at Boston Pizza. So you have to start with that. Start with thanking everyone for attending. And of course, all of you who weren't able to make it, but were able to tune in for the post-game show. We'll see you next time. At the next illegal curve party at Boston Pizza, details to come along those lines, uh, in the next couple of weeks or so. But Dave is saying, of course, that next Saturday we're going to be live at number two Donald Street for, for at Farmery Brewing, a live on location broadcast. So you can pick up some delicious illegal curve lager, which Dave has in the background there, plus all the other great products that our friends at Farmery put out we're going to be live there next Saturday number 2 Donald Street our, uh you can't miss it be there next Saturday come say hi to us as going to be shotgunning beers right at 8:30 so it's going to be a real exciting morning for Keg all Stands involved. I thought Drew Keg Stands
0: they actually don't open till 9 though just to be clear we'll be there a little bit earlier but they this the retail store doesn't open just till 9
1: at, when the clock is ticking and you're banging on the door to come in and see us don't bang too hard until it's at least eight fifty-nine and fifty-eight seconds. We don't want to do any damage to their uh, to the to the front door there at Farmery, but we'll be there next Saturday. Looking forward to that, of course. Uh, gentlemen, good to see you both on this uh, on this Saturday morning. Lots of Jets talk to get to. A uh, little tongue in cheek uh, uh, on the Jays uh, talk there. Uh, you know, I wonder if, if uh, you know if the Jays do end up signing Otani, it'll make up for the fact that the Leafs have the fewest number of regulation wins in the in- tied for the fewest in the entire
2: NHL. NHL so far this year. Isn't that year. crazy? Like, yeah, That's is a, a crazy stat. Also, <laughs> the fact that Carolina is in a wild card spot, like nobody, Dave and I, right before we went live here, we were talking about, it seems like nobody's talking about the Philadelphia Flyers. And I can't wait to have our friend Anthony Sanfilippo on, who writes for CrossingBroad.com. He used to work for the Flyers, used to write for the Delaware County Daily Times. He's one of our best friends going back to the, the kick days and obviously yeah. the TSN 1290 days. But, like, the Flyers, like, I realize a lot of focus has been on the Canucks and obviously the Jets as well, who are only a couple points out of first in the Central. But, I mean, that Metro division, it's its really crazy mm-hmm. um, when you consider which teams are currently in a playoff spot and which teams are on the outside looking in. Obviously, you know, my Devils right now aren't in a playoff spot. But it's uh, its just – there's so much parity around the league. It's—it's it's, We say it every year, but this year especially, it seems like there, there's really – I mean, it's not like one team is, is really running away with it. Um, I mean, earlier in the season, Vegas and Boston looked like they were running away with it. But, you know, those teams have cooled down a little bit. And obviously, you know, the Bruins and the Rangers are at the top of the, you know, top of the pile. But just so close, especially in the East, but also in the West. I mean, Nashville and Arizona, they just keep winning, right? Yeah, look, it's, it, you know,
1: and, and that's, you know, you're right. Parody is the name of the game, and that's what the NHL wants, and oftentimes that's what the NHL gets. But I don't want to start with parody on this Saturday morning edition. I want to ask you guys this question. I'm going to put up uh, on my second screen here if I can uh, work the magic. Now, it's worth noting, of course that uh, it's the headlines are not written by the author himself, but let's see if I can even make it this little bit bigger. Uh, the headline on the Winnipeg Sun. Zoom after, in, Drew. Can you see? I hopefully you me do it on the there. actual headline and not the uh, ad. Yeah. Unless no, you want to no, upgrade your home. Well, you know, I, I don't want to upgrade my home. I can't afford to do that. But there you go. I can. Uh, I think you can see what I'm talking no, Drew, about. You
0: gone to, Drew, you could have gone to a little site called legalcurve.com. That would have just been one of the headlines in the thing. Then you could have seen yeah, my, my little quip beside it. I know that, but nobody. Wants in fact, to. in fact, actually, you should go to illegalcurve.com right now. Please yeah. do on your second screen. Oh, okay, hang on. There, 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 you... Believe me, there's some, there's some, there's some reasons there. Go to illegalcurve.com. Okay, second screen, morning papers. Okay, I mean, I'm assuming that's what everybody in the chat already did. As and then obviously
2: everybody... click on the Farmery beer ads and click on the Seagram's ads. <laughs> uh,
1: is there is there is there a clip that I'm okay? I'm on, I'm on the second screen. I'm on illegalcurve.com. What is there anything specific I'm supposed to we'll be go to the out? morning papers? I'm at the morning papers
0: go to go to this headline under the Winnipeg Sun okay notice my pa- quip my quip mentions drew La- Mandel. drew what is this amateur hour uh
1: you're, you, you this might have been yesterday's morning papers is, is maybe where i'm supposed to be
0: at dave not today's oh, i'm pretty sure it says drew Mandel, but okay it absolutely there's
1: there's no word of anything that says drew Mandel, i don't believe and unless i'm unless i'm reading the wrong morning papers hang on let me go back no i uh, no, yesterday's, yesterday's, mo- yesterday's morning, morning papers. papers yesterday yeah, morning okay. papers it's well, so you're well Drew. Yester- Drew, sorry you're bringing up yesterday's news so i gotta i didn't realize it was yesterday's news well there you go yes you did you did use me there i i can see it now my question for you guys though yes you know now keep in mind that you know the headline is not written by the author of the article but you can see it here felt like it was written by you thank you dave <laughs> From the, it, it, do you agree with the, with the commentary that has emerged since Thursday's victory over the Colorado Avalanche that the Jets deserve to be mentioned among the elite teams in the NHL at this point of the season? That's the question that I want to pose to you guys
2: to start on this Saturday morning edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Yes, and we can also just go back to December 2022, by the way. We had this exact same conversation 365 (laughs) days ago. But, I mean, let's not kid ourselves, guys. The biggest difference here is the forward depth and the improvements the Jets have made defensively, right? Like, we talked about this at Boston Pizza. I mean, the Jets are a better defensive team, period. They allow less high-danger chances. They allow less shots. Mm -hmm. They allow less goals. So the biggest difference is... The improved even strength play, yeah. the improved team defense, the special teams are, are are kind of a separate issue that I think. I mean, if you were to look at each area and you know give the forwards a grade, give the defense a grade, goaltending, special teams. I mean, special teams would probably get the worst grade, right? And yeah. that's something that definitely has to improve, you know, as the season progresses. But I think Drew, it ultimately comes back to that word "elite" is maybe the most subjective word. In all of sports right and maybe maybe you know there, well, there, are, there are some me, other words but elite, like what does elite mean does elite mean top two top three elite top means, five elite means championship contender and then then yes the jets are definitely elite because really? i think like we just we just talked about it right like look at who's in first place first second place in the entire league it's vegas number one at 39 points then you've got the rangers at 37 points. We should mention the Rangers have three games in hand. I think the Rangers and the Kings have played the least amount of games, but you've got the Golden Knights at 39 points, Rangers 37, Bruins 37, Kings 35, the Vancouver Canucks are 35. The Vancouver Canucks are four points out of first overall in the entire league. If that isn't parity, I don't know what is, right? So like, are the Canucks an elite team? Sure. I mean, if you're a Canucks fan, you definitely think they're an elite team, but I think Drew, if, you know, the, if the definition, as you said, is a championship contender, can the Jets be competitive for a Stanley Cup? Because they're clearly making the playoffs at this point. I mean, the Jets are not missing the playoffs this year a- unless they lose like 10 games in a row or something, which is not going to happen. Right. I think everybody agrees the Jets are solidly in a playoff spot this year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, look, they have an elite goaltender, top three goaltender in the league. They have one of the best offenses in the league. Look, Kyle Connor is well on his way to a fifty to fifty-five goal season. He might even get up to sixty. Cole Perfetti is having a breakout year in his second full year. Like this is a good team. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say Drew that they're the best team in the league, but I think you could make an argument that yeah, this is a top five team in the league, and they have a, they have just as good a chance as anybody. Let's not forget last year, guys, the Boston Bruins and their one hundred and twenty-six points got knocked out in the first round.
1: Yeah, and that and that speaks to your comment about parody, that even if you are a mile ahead of a team you're playing against in the playoffs, it almost renders the regular season relatively uh, exactly. meaningless mm-hmm. because any team can knock off any other team come playoff time. We've seen it too often to happen to really describe it as a earth-shattering occurrence. I mean, well, it's and not sorry, like-
3: Drew,
2: you just wanted to quickly say we got the comment up from Hunter Bob. Um, you know, I, I think he's right. I think most people agree. What the Jets are going to be seeking, Dave, at the trade deadline or prior to the trade deadline, I should say, mm. is a top four defenseman, right? right? And most likely on the right side, because we know with Morrissey, Brendan Dillon, Dylan Samberg, they're stronger on the left side of their D versus the right side. Yeah. And in all due respect to Dylan DeMello, Neil Pionk, Nate Schmidt, I mean, the, you know, the, the Jets just, they've needed a, a top four right, right-handed defenseman for a while. So I, I think that's probably what they're looking for. They're looking for their Matthias Ekholm, right? So I, I do think that at, at the very least, I think you could say that the Jets are a top 10 team. And then I think there's a strong argument to be made that they're, you know, top five, top seven, whatever you want to say. Yes, they've lost to Vegas. They've lost to Dallas, but they just beat Colorado. And it wasn't that wasn't a lucky victory. I mean, they earned that victory. A hundred percent. Dave, same question to you. I
1: mean, as he's made his arguments as to why the Jets are in his mind, an elite team. From mm-hmm. your perspective, do you do you you know echo what he's saying? Or are you maybe a, a little bit more cautious to go ahead and, and 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 use the words or you know describe the Jets as a as a Stanley Cup contender?
0: Well, I mean, look, I, I think that when you have a goaltender of Connor Hellebuck's um, ability, that you're always going to be a contender because I think he can win games and he can win. We know he can win games and we know he can win series for your team. So, I mean, look with Connor Hallebuck, anything is possible. And as he's right, this is a much more balanced team. You know, when you have an injury now it's not as disastrous because you do have guys who can fill into different roles in, on this, on this club, but I don't think the jets are an elite team. And I think that folks are, are right in the sense that it's early. It's early to be using words like elite because it's been two months. The NHL season is a long one. And, you know, if we're still having this conversation And they're still producing in January the way that they have in October and November. They do this in December and then they do it into January. Then it's a little bit of a different conversation. But I mean, it's well. If Joe Pescucci is saying the Jets are elite, I want to probably just you know just back (laughs) off what I'm saying. But I think I honestly think that the Jets are a very good hockey club, and I agree. As you and I were talking about it before, they're probably in that five to ten range. I mean, they beat Florida, who's second in their division. They beat Florida twice. So you know they're they've beaten some good hockey teams, as he's right. Mm-hmm. It's not a question of that. But you've lost to Dallas twice. You've lost to Vegas twice. So you do have to, you know get past those teams. You've split with the Oilers, obviously. Um,
2: and so in that me, game
0: in that game, as we know, they should have had at least a point. That's right. Yeah, that's right, as but and and look, I'm not saying the Oilers are elite, even though they're on fire right now, and and looks like they're uh, as these little kiss of death of yeah, they're not say, the still, playoffs, still not making the playoffs, Ginsburg. Uh, well,
2: I mean, no, good thing you're right. You not. win, Drew. You win that one. Hey, <laughs> yeah. you win some and you lose some. I lose most. I lost that one. Yeah. So well, I mean, you, come on. It's, you, like, you never bet many, against. How McDavid. many times do we have to say Connor McDavid, Leon yeah. Draisaitl? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't bet against them. That's just the especially that early in the
0: season. And you know, again, it we we were talking about it. Let you look. The, the difference between like Columbus who looked like their season was over and their season's Ford, over. Well, it is, but they're only, but what four, to the, no, six points back of, of the Islanders and Carolina right now in the 29th, There's, I think. I,
1: I'm confident in saying their season's over. I don't I'm not have saying, any problem with that one. I'm not that that's one fine.
0: I, I, But statistically, it's yeah, not okay, because okay, they're fine. six points back. So, so I'm just saying. and play for. The
2: reality is that they're six points seasons... back, also known as last place in the Metro Division. That's <laughs> I... what's crazy about it. They're last, like you're saying that the Blue Jackets aren't completely out of it. They're last place in the Metro Division. That's what's crazy. Like nobody had Philadelphia second place in the Metro Division on their bingo card. Right. And look, San Jose like this. This will be a
0: tough test because San Jose has been playing better. They beat the Rangers. They beat uh, who else they beat? They beat Boston. They beat a couple of good teams. They beat Boston. Yeah. Yeah. So San Jose has been playing. Now, Boston has been on a bit of a they were a bit, uh, I think, pedestrian. They were, I think, five, four and one in their last 10. So Boston's come down to earth a little bit. Um, But I think that there are I think what it ultimately comes down to, for me, at least, is there aren't that many elite teams. They really aren't like right now, Vegas and even Vegas's numbers were, were, were ballooning a little bit in the bad way. So, you know, again, Dallas and Vegas and Boston, you know, I mean, though, that to me, I don't really don't think anybody's distinguished themselves as elite really, because again, all these teams have come back down to earth to a certain degree. Now, if Boston was going to perform the way they did last year. Like, I really don't think elite is you describe the top 10 teams as elite. Like, to me, that just doesn't make any sense. No, my definition top, of elite should, should probably be like three to five teams, right? Yeah. and Honestly, in my division, it's probably top three teams in the NHL are, are the elite teams, maybe four. And then and then you get into very good team status. And to me, the Jets are in a very good team status with an overall depth that you like to see. They've got some studs in Shifley and Connor, and Ehlers is heating up. That line's heating up. And again, you know, the back end has played fairly well, given their... I would say limitations, and the goaltending has picked up. So right now, the Jets are, in my mind, a very
2: good hockey team. Are they elite? Not yet. I personally think the two best teams in the league right now are in the West. Like, if you you were just, and I'm no fence sitting here, if I had to pick the two best teams in the league, I would go Vegas and Dallas. And we've seen both of those teams beat the Jets this year, right? And mm -hmm. it's not just because of that or because of where they're at in the standings now. Because I think Vegas, if I'm not mistaken, is number one overall in the league, right? They are, yes. So, And it's not just because of that, but it's just because of their overall depth, right? And the the biggest question mark last year was their goaltending, and Aiden Hill has turned into a bonafide top 10 goalie in the NHL. Like, I think if you're picking the top three goalies for team Canada at the four nations tournament or whatever they're going to call it. Not the world (laughs) cup of hockey. They've been very clear. Don't they know there is a four nations
1: cup already? Like that already exists. But
2: honestly, Drew, I I strongly believe if you're talking about the best three pro goaltenders in Canada right now, you're probably talking about Carter Hart. I know you're, you're going to hate that. I'm going to say this, but Jordan Binnington, and I think you're talking about Aiden Hill.
1: Well, I mean, I uh, you know I think that says more about the state of Canadian goaltending than it does about the players uh, that you that you've mentioned. Because no, in no way, shape, or form is Jordan Binnington, uh, you know, should be should be considered among the previous, uh, you know, who's who of Canadian goaltenders on the international scene.
0: That would and, be my comment about that. Okay, well let's let's stick with, with, with the topic yeah, is okay. whether the Jets are elite. And and you know, C macs comment is a good one because to me, again, the Rangers, the Bruins, Vegas, and Dallas, and again, we haven't mentioned L.A. LA has been pretty lights out, and LA's been LA has been winning a lot of hockey. So, uh, you know, those are probably again, are they all elite? The Bruins have have come back down to earth. Has have Vegas, but because they did so well early, they built themselves up. Those those just one thing,
2: I, I just to rub it into Drew a little bit more. As of today, goal save above expected. Jordan Binnington is number six in the league. Just Do you saying. trust him in a big game? No. There you go. There, thank you. <laughs> you. You've proven my
1: point for me. And I'm, you know, I'm just you, saying,
2: he's he just based on that stat alone, he's right. top six. And in I the saw league.
1: that our buddy Jeremy Rutherford, I think, wrote an article in the Athletic about Binnington's play as of late, saying, you know way fewer histrionics on the ice, way more, way way less of the, you know, the, the, the obnoxious behavior that, you know, made people wonder what the hell's wrong with this guy and mm-hmm. way more of getting back to how he was when he was a Stanley Cup winning goaltender. And if that's the case, then great. But, you know, consider me, uh, you know, ironically from St. Louis, the show me state, you know, I'm going to wait and see. You got He's going to have to show it to me, uh, you know, a little bit, for a little bit more consistently and throughout the course of the entire no, season. Fair,
2: fair enough. And, and and you know, just on this topic, I know this isn't goalie lunch and Dave wants to get back to the Jets, but uh, let's give a <clears throat> shout out to Cam Talbot and the year he's having. He's second in the league in goal save above expected. Well, he's that's at, what... Uh, what is he at? 11. Hold on. Let me look it up here. He's at 11.4 goal save above expected. Wow. Aiden well, Hill's the... number one. So he Talbot deserves a lot of credit. You know, he's the sure. wily veteran. Well, and that no, was the not question, many people thought he was going to be that good this year. That was the question mark about the L.A. Kings starting yeah. the year. You know, what, you know,
1: could you trust their goaltending? Because you know, they certainly went with a goaltending tandem of guys who are uh, on the downsides of their career, or certainly based on the aging. They <laughs> are they.
2: Well, based on the aging curve well, you would Phoenix, expect they Phoenix Popoli Cople- all due respect, he's he's a backup. I mean, he's not a yeah. guy that you're expecting to play 50 games a year. Right, but I mean, you would have thought that if the what's the
1: big question mark about the LA Kings to start the season and the Jets of course are going to face the Kings to wrap up this road trip. I mean, the road trip that they're on, you know, is book-ended by the more difficult games, at least the more difficult games on paper. Uh, yeah. you know, the next two games, you got Anaheim <laughs> tomorrow night and then San Jose on Tuesday night. Those should be, you know, those are two. Look, teams look out for are... Mike Hoffman and those San Jose Sharks. Well, look, nobody's <laughs> using the word elite to describe either of those two teams. Those, you know, teams. Are, you're using the words first overall draft pick to describe the Ducks and the San Jose Sharks. By the Other way, it'd be great. Don't... It'd be great if the
0: Sharks yeah. called up Leon Gavanké to
2: play against the Jets in his first <laughs> NHL game.
1: I believe have the, the Ducks, Ducks are... drafted
2: Cole Eiserman yet?
1: Yeah, I believe the Ducks are one and nine in their last ten. So, I mean, the, you know, the Jets did a lot of the heavy
2: lifting on Thursday. The Ducks to get are the... not elite. No, to get you know the, who uh, is elite though, Leo Carlson. I'm not sure if you guys saw his breakaway the other night. That guy is crazy. Yeah. He's good. The the, the
1: the Jets started the road trip by getting that victory, and the, the truth is, there's no reason at this point in time for the Jets to not end this road trip at least three and one. And I well, mean, I, I mean, you never want to discount your opponent. Yeah. But you, the Jets have to have that mindset, and they've been good so far this year at beating the teams they should be beating. Mm -hmm. That's been, you know, sort of, you know, as we talk about this elite conversation, yeah, they've been losing some games against these elite teams, the upper echelon teams, whatever word you want to use, but they've been beating the teams they should be beating. Well, they beat a team in Colorado that, you know, that was a good victory. You could see it. You read about it. You could feel the buzz. And now you got two games against teams that are below you in the standings. And as a result, you need to be able to look you have to match the performance you had on Thursday night and you should get positive results. And the jets have to go in with that
2: mindset on Thursday, Dave. Well, seven JP seven B's is absolutely right. What he says, the IC cruise elite. Well, now that now we know that the word elite is just being thrown
1: around
0: way, yeah, too, I was like, way too easily. I was going to say, well, considering we've just said how, how little value it has, maybe that's not <laughs> such a compliment, but we appreciate it regardless. Cause we believe it was intended as a compliment, but, uh, Sorry, what was the question? I got the so question, excited just, about B, sort of, being
1: called elite. Just comment, you know, just talking about how you the Jets have started the road trip off with a very big win and, you know, an important victory, an important divisional game. And now you have to match that uh, tomorrow night and then again Tuesday night against your
0: two weakest opponents on this road well, trip. You just look, I mean, regardless of any team can beat any team, any given night right? we just oh, talked about, we just talked about San Jose beating the New York Rangers. And we just talked about the New York Rangers being an elite team. So, I mean, you've got to kind of, and it's interesting because the Rangers really fallen off a cliff. I think it was their, their, their uh, rush chances against, or rush goals against them was like number one in the NHL. And now it's dropped in like for the first month and a half or month of the season, and it's dropped down to like 20th or something like that. But regardless you you just have to show that you can't you're not going to change your game. And that's the biggest key for the Winnipeg Jets is show that you're going to play the same way against Anaheim and San Jose that you did
2: against Colorado. And mm-hmm. if you can do that And the good and the good news is, Drew, the, the Jets, pardon me, Dave, the Jets could be blindfolded and they could still beat the Ducks and Sharks. <laughs> No, Ezzie that's with the arrogance. That's, that's well. I mean, look. And I'm not I, talking call, about Rick just call Model Martel. I was gonna say, just call me Rick Martel, Drew. Yeah. No,
0: and and look, you're gonna see what you'll you we'll see what happens in terms of the goaltending. We expect Connor Hellebuck uh, tomorrow night, and then I suspect we'll see Bressois against San Jose, and you have yeah. Hellebuck against the Kings, or you know, maybe not. Who knows? I mean, you're we'll gonna see, see.
2: Bressois for sure. One of these three games, Dave.
0: Oh no, no, for sure you'll yeah. see Bressois in one of the. I mean, one of the the back to back. I would I think, think it'll be but, San Jose. Maybe yeah, time, though. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I think that you go you go Hellebuck because you're going to go Hellebuck and then you're going to go either Briso- you give Hellebuck the first start and then you give
2: Brassois the second or because generally. Speaking, what about going Brassois against Anaheim tomorrow and then going Hellebuck back to back?
1: You know, that thought crossed my head as he, uh, you know, because the Jets are sort of in, you know, usually you want you, your backup gets the second half of the back to back. But it yeah. certainly did cross my mind a little bit that if the Jets were to have an you know uh, you know a, an easy workload on Tuesday night that you'd you'd maybe consider that it might be too early in the year to do that and the travel isn't quite as easy as it is if it was Anaheim L A back to back as right. opposed to Anaheim San Jose. Andrew, could
2: you bring up a map of California right now? San Jose
1: <laughs> is further north than where than Anaheim and Los Angeles. Wow. They, it's not that much further north it's not that difficult this a is elite level analysis. okay
2: mr california well you know that are california that, raisin drew
1: well actually snoop dogg sang the song about me it's 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 not about you know he was singing it about me when he was talking about california and say you know i won't you say sound, it
0: you though. sound like uh the fred savage's brother in uh
1: in the wizard in the wizard ben savage is is the name you're looking for there dave m depending is on that on. actually is literally his brother well, Fred Savage's okay, okay. Sorry, let me rephrase. Fred Savage's brother is Ben Savage, but I what don't is know this Wonder Savage...
2: lunch. <laughs> People don't know this, but Boy Meets World was actually loosely based on Drew's life. It's true. I'm the
1: inspiration. You should see the royalty checks just rolling in like uh, nobody's business. It's it, it's fat. It's fantastic. What do you think's keeping me afloat financially? It sure, it sure as hell isn't this show.
2: <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna reveal who the real life t- Topanga was, though. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> no, because I said it was based on your life. Oh, so there, I get yeah, you what you're saying. Topenga. Okay. Fine, fine. I mean, yes, let's it be is honest. true. We all, people... we all have Googled Topanga in our youth, I, okay? I,
1: I see that people are already saying the show is off the rails, and it is a little bit off the rails. So I'll tell you what, we should go to break to bring it back on the rails. And then Rennie himself, Sean Reynolds, is going to join us for more Jets talk at the bottom of the hour. Much more about your local Winnipeg Jets franchise throughout the next. 90 or so minutes. Join us. Call your friends. Tell them to join us as well. We're having a lot of fun on this Saturday morning edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Bottom of the hour. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you on this snowy Saturday. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And it's always Christmas when our good friend Sean Reynolds joins the program. I believe I just heard Dave say under his breath at the sound of my singing there i think that's just exactly what i just i think
2: i was just trying to speak for the crowd (laughs) yeah boys i don't know if if the jets are elite even though i i would say the jets are elite but sean that whalers hat there's
4: no doubt in my mind that that whalers hat is elite love it yeah it's it's uh i picked it up i was a work trip at new york and i picked it up at the NHL shop downtown, it's like one of those things that should I buy it? Should I not buy it? American money, all that kind of stuff. And you know, once I, once I got it home and put it on, there's never been any regrets.
0: And it's funny, Sean, because when, when we were at the draft in 2013, which was in New Jersey, but we were staying in New York, uh, as he and I were down at the NHL shop and I, I, I bought the exact same thing. I bought a whaler's shirt, which I still have. And, uh, I don't regret it because it was a, it was a great purchase. It's great, great, uh, logo.
4: It's funny you should mention that I was down watching a, I was in Boston and I was watching a, um, a ball game down there at Fenway mm-hmm. and was looking for like gear, you know, cause I like to get stuff when I go to a game anyways, they had this awesome whalers shirt and my wife is always like, buy it. Right. She's, she's yeah. never like, no, no, you can't be doing that. Every time she's like, yes, if you want to buy it. And I was like, uh, I just don't think I'll get, it. I'll pick it up online when I get home. I never, I never was able to find it online. And it's one of those things that I actually like regret every time I think about it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buy the whalers gear when you see it, people. Not only that, we went broadcast from that flagship NHL
1: store. We did the we did the show from that store back in the day. Yeah, if you guys Ooh. recall correctly. So you know, if shortly part- after we were banned from the NHL. Yeah, store. there you go. That's then. <laughs> and that's usually how it works. Is that you know they they make that big big mistake.
0: They didn't give the us the business- fancy. They didn't give us the fancy NHL studio though, which is I think on the second floor. We broadcast from the retail location. They gave us the dumpster in the back of the aisle. No, they just, no, we were in the front. They just wanted, they knew that we were going to be in a big attraction to the retail location. So they wanted to draw in all the folks to come there.
1: Yeah. Very reasonable of them. Sean, nice to see you on the Saturday morning, good friend. Uh, You know, obviously brought you on to talk about the Winnipeg Jets, as you might expect, not the Hartford Whalers and the Hartford Whalers merchandise. I thought we were going to start talking about Zarli Zalapski there for a second. (laughs) (laughs) A a good Scrabble word, but uh, not going to be effective on the program today. Uh, You know, Sean, we were discussing... You know the Jets and that victory in Colorado. You know, let me ask you. That's not I'm not going to ask you the exact same question, but does that victory in Colorado, defeating the Avs on the road, maybe change your perception of what this team is and or
4: could be if they continue on this path? I don't. I don't think it. Changes it, but uh, well, m- maybe in one way, and and it's a conversation I was having with someone last night. If I walk away from that game, and there's a little bit of a white knuckle aspect to that, right? The Jets holding on to make sure that they they win that game, same as Carolina the game before. But I think it, there's a, it, it shows me in those two games that the jewel the, that the Jets have added to their toolkit. Uh, the ability to get into games like that and take really high-end teams and shut them down. But what it does change for me is if I take a look at that, and I know that they they didn't have everybody in that game. I know Nachushkin was missing, which he's the kind of guy that really – D- definitely affects that team and its depth. But I looked at that team and, and and that game and the way that they played. And the Jets, to me, were the deeper of those two teams, right? Like, I, I don't think there was any doubting that. The way that the fourth line played and uh, outside of Nathan McKinnon, who almost skilled them back into that game, Uh I, I thought that if you're taking, you know, punch for punch, line one, line two, line three, line four, I didn't think for a second that the Colorado Avalanche w- could be argued as being the deeper team coming out of that game. So that would change my perception maybe because I would think if the Jets uh, are going to go deep in the playoffs, at some point you'd think they're probably going to have to face in either the first or second round, the Colorado Avalanche, and in the other round, uh, the Dallas Stars, if they're going to get to the third round. So um, maybe it changes my perception of them in the way that it kind of changed my perception of how they stack up against that team specifically but I think we knew enough about the Jets going into that game how tough of a team they are how tough of an out we expect them to be which is an important thing uh down the stretch I just keep thinking to myself, like, this is what we know of the Winnipeg Jets, but it's what we know of them at this time of year. And I I think, you know, in, in our last podcast, I think that people like to call me the fun police sometimes. When this happens, I, I get into the situation where I say, OK, well, let, let's pump the brakes in the way that they're not handing out any awards for being third place in the central division on December 7th because you look good right now this it's what it is the winnipeg jets right now look like a really great capable hockey team what we do know is around the rest of the league, there's other really great capable hockey teams and how they handle the year, how they build on their year and how they grow heading towards the playoffs is going to determine how good they are. Uh, we we do have this debate often, uh, and every time the Jets do well, I remember it happened every time they had really good games last year against good teams. Everyone was like, "Did the Jets be, belong among the elite teams? It's like... To me, it's almost a moot point. If they do at this point of the year, that's great. That's fine. As a hockey fan, it's fun to have a good team that can do those kind of things. But, you know, they should be taking a look at this and being like, we're a good team right now. We need to be a good team in, in April and on.
2: And Sean, I think, you know, we mentioned this. We were talking about this right before you came on, right? Like the Vancouver Canucks, I know that, you know, games in hand factor in here, but the Vancouver Canucks are only four points behind the Vegas Golden Knights, they've actually played the same amount of games. But you've got the LA Kings, who I think have three games in hand on Vegas, or four games in hand on, on Vegas, actually. So that just shows you how much parity there is. And I agree with you. Oh, yeah. It is a moot point, right? Like, at the very least, you can say the Jets are firmly in a playoff spot and a top 10 team in the league, right? And then if you want to say that they're a top five team, I, I can. I have time for that. I could listen to that argument. And, you know, beating a team like the the Colorado Avalanche only helps. And I agree with you. I mean, this Avalanche team doesn't have the same depth that they did a couple of years ago when they won the Stanley Cup, right? Like, and, no. and to start off with two C, right? Like, to me, Ryan Johansson, yeah, he's got nine goals. He's a good player, but Nazem Cadre was such a perfect second line center on, on that team, right? And I wanted to ask you about the Jets second line because I think you guys would agree. Everybody that everybody you know watching, listening on the po- podcast would agree. Shifley, Connor, Ealers have been really good together. That line is sticking together for at the very least the short term. But to me, there's still, I think, a lot of room to grow for that second line. And yes, Gabe Velarde, you know, he's only been back for four or five games now. So obviously, you know, our expectations have to be a little bit lower for him. But I, I still think that, you know, you might see Nino Niederreiter moved up to that second line. I, I, I just want to get your take on what you're seeing from that second line. Because Cole Perfetti, he's having a great year, breakout year. He's been fantastic. No complaints. It's just the makeup of that second line just seems to be a little bit off for me.
4: Um, so I think what we've seen from the second line is that Cole Perfetti has been brilliant this year and it's a coming out party. Right. Um, and that the success that they've had for the most part has been built around that and him emerging really, uh, on that stage. And I, I say this all the time. Like a lot of my colleagues in Toronto Every time I talk with them, every time I do a radio show out of Toronto or wherever, Cole Perfetti is the guy most people want to talk about, right? Because I think what people around the league are seeing is like, holy smokes, yeah, we knew they had Shifley. We knew that they had uh, um, Kyle Connor and players like that. But we didn't know that he was at this level right now. Would that be enough in the playoffs down the stretch to just build a line and have its identity be around Cole Perfetti really coming out. And that's probably would be a dangerous game. Um, I do think right now at this stage that that line is missing Vladi Domestikov. I mean, talk about a guy here that that just like, very underrated. You know, we always talk about hey, is Kyle Connor underrated? Vladimir Nemesnikov is underrated, <laughs> right? Like he's taken that line and he's get made it really go. But I, I do think that at some stage, uh, the feeling with, with that line, or even with Vladdy Demesnikov is that like, if they're going to go deep in the playoffs, they're probably going to have to address that line. I think they probably address that line at the trade deadline. I, that's my guess is the direction that the Winnipeg jets are going to go in. Um, but in the meantime you still got this good problem to have thing because when vladimir mesnikov comes back who ends up getting bumped down to the fourth line is it going to be i don't i don't believe for a second it'll be gabe Velarde. does it get to be alex iafallo do they break up the third line to push someone down there so back to the point of the Jets having depth that I don't believe a really good team like Colorado has. They've got that good problem in the way that right now it seems like they've got a top nine and they've got 10 people in that top nine and one person to bump down. Uh, If they end up addressing that second line center issue, which I think really is, you know what you boil it down to the Jets are probably going to try and fix at some point. Then you basically have, you know, a top 11 if not a top 12, the way that sometimes Morgan Barron can play, or or uh, I mean, God, even AJF was really, really good in that important game. Um, and we know that uh, David Gustafson has played really well. You're starting to look at a, a fourth line that that looks like it should be in the top nine, right? And then that's the kind of that's when you start getting depth to a point that, that you're dangerous and dangerous in the playoffs. Because again, in that game against the Colorado Avalanche, you know, if we're talking about depth, split specifically that fourth line played such a huge important role in i that said game. they were I the just... best line in
2: the game sean when uh, we were doing the post game show at boston pizza that's what i said gustafson Gus bus had two really good scoring chances obviously axel jansen fialby uh, picked up the big assist right uh on adam lowry's goal i thought you could make an argument the fourth line was at the very least the second best forward line against colorado
4: yeah, well, I, I would say they were the Jets' best line. Maybe you gotta, you know, give credit to Nathan McKinnon and how he played and whatever line he was on was maybe arguably the best line in that game. Because again, I think I think the Jets were the clearly the best team in that game. And it's it's only a close game in my mind because Nathan McKinnon almost skills that team back into the game. Uh but yeah, like that that if you've got like they, they were important in that game. They played a lot of time, they played a lot of important minutes, and of that, it allowed them to lean on uh, a line like Nathan McKinnon's that was getting played over and over and over again to try and get in that game. What I saw was the Winnipeg Jets and four really deep lines that uh, the Jets coaches were not afraid to roll up against a Colorado team that was basically saying, okay, it's Nathan McKinnon's line, and then when they hop off, you guys got to <laughs> get out there for a couple seconds, then Nathan McKinnon's line gets back out there. To me, that's not a winning formula. And again, why I thought the Jets, Jets fans should walk away from that and be like, I think that bodes well going towards the playoffs to have a team that we can roll like that, especially if they're going out and trying to address a second line center. They'll just be that much better and that much deeper if they pulled that off.
1: Sean Reynolds is our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. You know him as Rennie from Sportsnet, and of course, Kenny and Rennie, the great show that follows. I us. just know him as the most handsome man on Sportsnet. That's a separate <laughs> issue entirely. That's completely subjective, though, as he. So I'm not going to. I can't. I can't agree or disagree,
0: but uh, yeah. certainly we can know. We know him as Rennie at the very least. <laughs> Sean, I want to ask you about uh, Nikolai Ehlers because to me. You know, we glaze over the fact that he missed so much of the early part of this season with the injury and dealing with his recovery. And then you realize, and that's why, similar to Gabe Velarde, who said, you know, I wanted, I have high expectations for myself. I'm also realistic knowing I've missed so much time. So with Ehlers, we're just starting to see, in my mind, in the last little bit, his talent level really emerge. And to me, the biggest question mark, once he was put with Mark Shifley and Cal Connor was how would they blend together? Because we know those two guys, know each other well. But the one kind of knock on Ehlers is he's unpredictable. They know the, the other two felt like they knew always knew where they were going to be and how to find each other. But now it looks like Nikolai Ehlers kind of has found that out. And if that's the case, that makes that, we've used the word elite, that, lo, that line could be elite offensively based on their circumstances. So what are you seeing, even though it's not a big sample size, from those three being put together uh, right now?
4: I think you've framed that question just perfectly in the idea that Nick Ehlers is this great offensive uh, tool, right? That can be that for years, I think a lot of people have looked and thought that the jets didn't utilize enough um, because he's so fast and he's got that, unbelievable shot and uh and when he gets moving and passing the puck it can look really good as well but the Jets for the most part I don't think I'm trying to think of a time where I thought that they did I know that I I liked for years for a number of years the way they used him on the secondary power play and essentially just built that power play around him I thought it gave the Jets a really dangerous secondary power play for a while but this is a player that A lot of fans have thought the Jets didn't utilize to its maximum potential. And I would agree with that assessment. And he's not an easy player to do that with. And and I think this is kind of the first time ever that I'm looking and I'm seeing, okay, and I don't think it's the best hockey he's ever played, but I think it's the best he's ever been in a situation where the the team around him or the players around him understand how to play with him. And what I'm seeing right now is you had the duo of Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor um and Kyle Connor is not just a scoring machine but he is a scoring machine right and if you've got a guy like Mark Shifley who I think has reached setup man levels of you know he he always held uh, uh Blake Wheeler in such high regard which he should because I personally think for the late 2010s Blake Wheeler was the best setup man in the NHL I think Shifley's reached that level of proficiency. And so now when you've got a player like Kyle Connor, who's all very good and can move the puck himself, but get lost in the weeds and have a guy like Mark Shifley be able to find him when no one else on the ice knows where he is, suddenly the puck's in the back of the net. That's a great tool to have. What I see uh, basically in that Carolina game is Nick Ehlers understanding how to play off Mark Shifley in that exact same way as well, which is maybe something that he we hadn't seen him get to that level where him, instead of just using his blazing, blazing speed and skating around and doing stuff, now he's getting the hockey IQ part of it where he's understanding how to play off him. But then, guys, last game, we see him find Kyle Connor in front of the net for that really great move. And so what what I'm thinking is... Kyle Connor is super fast and he can score and we see him do that, right? Well, so's Nick Ehlers. And now we're seeing him do that. But Kyle Connor also has that thing where he knows when to not use the burners and kind of get lost in the weeds and find the soft ice. And he gets found by uh, Mark Shifley. Well, now all of a sudden, Nick Ehlers is figuring out how to do that as well. But all of a sudden, you've got Kyle Connor who can play away from Mark Scheifele. He's led the team in scoring the last number of years. So he, clearly, he's got something and doesn't rely on another player. Well, we're seeing that from Nick Ehlers as well and him finding Kyle Connor the other day in front of the net for that really, really pretty goal. They just needed a little bit of space. It's done. So I think what you're seeing is everything that Kyle Connor has shown that's made him good. And all the tools he had to get him there, we knew Nick Eilers had the tools. Now he's using those tools very similar, in my mind, in a way that Kyle Connor is using it on this line. And you're getting this perfect blend from all those players. Where if you want to focus in on on Kyle Connor, well, Nick Eilers can burn you in the way that Kyle Connor does. And if you need speed, both those guys have it. I just look at Mark Shifley as as having two very similar tools on either wing right now, which makes that team really, really dangerous. Cause even if you try and shut down Mark Shifley, they can get it done without him as well. So that you guys are right. I think if you're taking a look around the league and argue and th- this, uh, Hey, the, 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 how good is this team? Are they an elite team argument? I always say it's a great argument, but it means nothing until the playoffs. Well, who's the best line in hockey. I love that argument. And I love kind of stacking people up and I'm not saying that these guys are the best line in the game. There's too many other lines where, where, you know, Nikita Kucherov and, and, uh, Braden Point. They've got so many points together combined, it's hard to deny them. But boy, oh boy, to, to send a line out like that and have those three skilled players all with their capability um, and how the team, their coaching staff has them playing well defensively now. Mark Shifley, you know, is coming into it, look like a phenomenal, not just offensive, but two-way center. This is the kind of line that does well in the playoffs because they can defend. They don't cost you when they're out there and they're dangerous at every single moment. That That's the kind of line you want leading your team offensively and defensively going into the playoffs.
2: Sean, I don't know if that was—I don't know if that was Kenny Levels, but that was a little bit of a mini trip to it's the a, buffet.
4: Buffet. That's that was a buffet. Yeah, I'm hungry this morning, gentlemen. <laughs> I hungry. always
2: have the sign handy just in case,
4: <laughs> you
1: know, in case I need to, to to stop anybody. That's usually for Ken, but uh, we'll use it for you on the, on this instance there as well. You know, Sean, it's it's been four games now since Gabe Vellardi came back to the Jets lineup, and the talk, of course, was he needs time to get back up to speed, back to where he was playing in that really brief snippet of time before he went down with injury. And, you know, a lot of the games he hasn't necessarily really been what I would describe as, as noticeable. And what does it do to the Winnipeg Jets if Gabe Velarde and based on his comments when he came back from the injury, it sounds like it was really close to being a season ending injury, not a four to six week injury. So, you know, what if Gabe Velarde sort of can't get back up to speed to where he was at the beginning of the year? What if this injury is one that lingers and impacts him all season long? What does that do to the Winnipeg Jets from your perspective?
4: Well, uh, it's, it's a good question, and I, th- I always want to be like, I don't just want to like blow smoke. I don't know, and I, I, I think the reason we don't know is because what we saw from him right at the beginning of the year in those first couple of games, you're talking about getting back to that. Like, yeah. Was that even Gabe Velarde? Was that Gabe Velarde playing above what his capability is? like? like because he comes in here, and Gabe Velarde is a guy that everyone talked about. They liked that trade for the idea of getting Velarde because they think Velarde has room to grow. I, I don't know what Gabe Villardi is and we don't know what he is right now because of the injury thing and it, it, those injury things it's a it's a real thing like he comes back in the season it's hard to compete for the same reason that if we're going back to that Colorado game one of the things that we I pointed out in Natushka not being there well Kale McCarr had just come back and clearly Kale McCarr was not yet kale mccarr kale back McCarr, in that game right. so that's one thing that we have to talk about in that game if we're talking about where the jets rank against the colorado avalanche kale mccarr has like another degree uh to get to that that isn't even close to what he showed in that game so that can add to a depth angle and change the way that you perceive that colorado avalanche team which is again another reason why i'm like hey you beat colorado in december it doesn't mean you won the stanley cup let's see how things shake out going that they play them another uh that we've got them on the, I think, yeah. Uh, The 16th, they play them again on the 16th here in Winnipeg. Let's see how they stack up then. But to get back to Velarde he's just a guy that like potentially, you know, we're talking about that second line. Maybe if he starts becoming what, you know, I think the jets believe that he can become gets off the injury adds to his game. I know he doesn't feel great about where his leg is right now. He told mm-hmm. me, you know, sometimes you just go to make that push and it's not there. And he said, it's structurally sound. You don't have to worry about that, but as an athlete, you're so hypersensitive to your body. You understand where things are. And that can be a double-edged sword because he said, I understand right now very much so that when I go to make a push or I do this or I make a turn or whatever it's not there and that messes with your confidence so that's what he's dealing with right now but to to, to the point you're talking about of what he could be for this Jets team we don't know like the the Sid the, the, he's a he's a not at his ceiling player let's see where that ceiling is Fine for the Winnipeg Jets in that Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. And we don't know where that ceiling ends up or guys, if he can get there. And I like, I don't want, I'm not trying to poo poo things here, but he's a guy who's dealt with injury for, for certain parts of his career. And what we look at from Gabe Vlardy this last year is a guy that we think is like coming into his own. He's also a guy, I think he's 23 23 or 24 years old. So he's not the youngest guy out there. It's a, there, there. There may be a feeling that Gabe Lardy never quite turns into what the Winnipeg Jets think he's going to turn into. So, his potential, should he reach it, uh, it could be massive for this team, but it's not a given that Gabe Velarde is going to come back off this injury, get back up to speed, and absolutely blow up. He needs to find his game still in the the extent of his game at the NHL level, and sometimes it's difficult to do that with a new team. So lots to see yet out of Gabe Velarde.
2: And He was an 11th overall pick. I agree with you 100%, Sean. I think that you have to give him a little bit more... Uh, of a leash, for lack of a better term, similar to to with Ehlers missing all of the preseason games, right? So you're 100%, 100% right. I still think, you know, we're uh, uh, at least three or four, five, six games away uh, as Gabe Velarde start starting to get back into, you know, midseason form, right? And Sean, I got to ask you about the defense, right? Because there's been a lot of focus on the defense. Nate Schmidt's been a healthy scratch. I think, for three games in a row. Logan Stanley, obviously, you know, gets burned by Nathan McKinnon. Rick Bonus, I like that he had his back, and he said that basically, you know, many defensemen have burnt, been burned by Nathan McKinnon like that. I mean, Brendan Dillon was also burned by Nathan McKinnon, right? Uh um, yeah. on, on the second avalanche goal, right? So, um, I, I, I guess, you know, do you see Declan Chisholm coming in tomorrow night versus Anaheim? Does Rick Bonus stick with Logan Stanley? And, you know, what happens with Nate Schmidt? Is Nate Schmidt, you know, your quote-unquote – eighth defenseman right now.
4: So again, uh, like I don't know for tomorrow. I, I, I would think it would be Declan Chisholm, um, but it may be Logan Stanley for exactly what you're talking about, depending on what they're how they're trying to use Logan Stanley. Logan Stanley made it clear that he wanted more opportunities on the ice than he's getting this year with the Winnipeg Jets. So my guess behind the scenes would be that there's an understanding he's not happy with the role he's playing, wants to play more. So maybe the Jets are trying to play him to showcase him. If they are are. Uh, he had a he had a pretty good game the other night but got walked very obviously you know that's the hockey version of getting posterized right like michael jordan just dunked on you is is essentially what happened in that situation and sometimes that can be the resonating image so rick bonus is right that's happened to a lot of guys but if the if the jets are playing logan stanley to get other teams and other scouts to allow to have a book on him that doesn't look well right it it doesn't look good as good a game as he had you know that's what
2: i said sorry to interrupt you that's what i said to david at boston pizza i said what's the opposite of showcasing someone
4: right? Right. <laughs> exactly. Exposing is exposing, exposing someone. Yeah. Right. So, so, and I'm not saying that that happened, but like, if your team are looking around right now and you're thinking, well, we want Logan Stanley, why do you want him? You're not necessarily he, I'm not saying he doesn't have offensive upside, but no one's going and saying we need, you know, a scoring defenseman right now. Let's go get Logan Stanley. You're getting him because he's got a big reach. You think he can shut down passing lanes. You know, you can think he can punish other teams. You think he can be great defensively. And so if you're looking at him and saying, okay, that's what we're going to go get with this guy and he gets walked in a game and the 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 other team scores a goal in that situation you're not exactly saying we need to go out and get him right now boys that's not what's happening in that situation so I think it all depends what's happening behind the scenes and how they want to use that you talked about Nate Schmidt um I think that if, if I'm Nate Schmidt, it feels at this stage, like it, it's got to feel a little ominous because I'm having a hard time getting in the lineup right now. They're liking at the very least what's happening. Is they're liking enough of what they see from Logan Stanley or enough of what they see from Declan Chisholm that they want to see more from those guys, which means you're going to see less from me. I've clearly been identified as the guy in the top six defense. That is, uh, uh is the one that we would rather see our, of the lineup than anyone else when they want to showcase these players and Billy Hainel is still coming back, which means it's probably only going to get worse for Nate Schmidt down the stretch here. Um, you know, he's a great pro. If you're going, we talked about the depth. If you're going into the playoffs uh, and he plays, he, he's the kind of guy you feel you could put comfortable in because he's got that experience. But if you put him out, he's a great black ace to have. Um, but I mean, it. it I think what you're seeing more and more, and it's going to only accelerate when Billy Hanley gets back, the jets are ready to take a look and see what they have in these other defensemen to the point that it's not a cost. It's not like we're going to put these guys in to see what happens. And it could, it could burn us. I think they're at the stage now where they feel comfortable enough with their options that they feel they can put those options in without getting burnt. And that really means that the jets are turning the page or reaching a different, stage with their defense and and that does not bode well for nate schmidt
0: you know sean we knew that the uh, nino nita rider signing was coming because it's been talked about for over a month when scott phillip reported that they want he wanted an extension but we finally saw that Great reporting by scotty it yeah. was and so you know we knew that it was coming we just didn't know when it was going to be here and of course that got done on monday and and to me impressively when you hear that it's going to be an op- a heavily optional on Tuesday and you see Nino Niederreiter as one of those guys out there on the ice just speaks to the kind of character that you're getting both on and off the ice uh what were your initial thoughts obviously you've talked about it on Kenny and Rennie but just now that you've had some time to, to reflect on it getting him signed and getting that kind of character person in the room and in the community what are your takeaways from the from the signing
4: Oh God, t- tons of thoughts And one of them is that like guys, this year was supposed to be the last year of the the Jets championship window, right and and it's weird to think about it because they they've to a degree moved on from that. but like they'd had Wheeler, Brian little, uh, uh Scheifele, Hellebuck, all they had this massive bulk of people signed to this window. Then they basically started doing this back around after the 2018 thing because they, they saw that this Jets team, they thought what we saw in 2018 was just going to only get better and continue on. Clearly that didn't happen, but you'll typically see when GMs lock into a window, if that window doesn't work out, it ends really, really badly. And the one thing I thought about that is man, oh man, what a good job Kevin dayoff has done on the fly, keeping what he, he believes is good about that window in the Connor Hellebuck's and, and the Mark Shifley's and so on and so forth. But positioning on the fly and like kind of creating a new window because what he's done now is he really likes what he saw from Vladimir Domestikov so he brought him back and uh, he, he got these players for Pierre-Luc Dubois who's gone and out the door and um, uh, like he was another guy that had fit With that window and what they thought was going to happen with that, so they positioned that and got some guys out of that that they've extended longer. So Kevin Cheveldayoff has essentially on the fly created this new mini window that at the beginning of the year, that's a risk because you don't know how it's going to turn out. We we know what the years past have looked like, even with Mark Scheifele and and Connor Hellebuck in place. To, to, for him to lock down on those guys, and now the Jets be having the success they're having, it looks brilliant, right? And Nino Niederreiter is just part of that because he's the guy that Kevin cheveldayoff went out last year at the trade deadline, and people are usually shopping for for the end of the deadline there. Kevin Cheveldayoff did a good job last year of shopping and identifying guys that he thought could have a future in Winnipeg. He wasn't just bu- buying rentals, guys. He was locking down. He was buying a house to live in. He wasn't looking for a place that, you know, he was going to be in until the next stage here, Right. And went out and extended Nemestikov, extended Nino Niederreiter. These are the kind of guys who on the ice. Don't the forget about they, AJF, I mean, Sean. AJF. <laughs> but yeah. the, the kind of guys that show the kind of character that that the Winnipeg Jets really wanted. And you, you've heard it before. When, when you ask Rick Bonus what was wrong with this team and what needed to be changed? The first thing he says is character. Like right. the character of this team, the, sorry, the culture, the culture of this team needed to be changed. And one of the ways that you change a culture of a team is you try and bring in people with high character. And they've been doing that for a long time. The jets, they did it with Nate Schmidt. They did it with Brendan Dillon. This was a continuation of that, but they, when they targeted Vladimir Masnikov and Niederreiter guys, they thought had really, really great character. We've seen that play out. They're great in the room. Uh, they just add to the culture for this team. So th- these guys aren't just good players the way they're playing. Niederreiter we know can play up and down the lineup as you were talking about the idea of opening up the debate of moving him off the third line because he can move up to the second or first line. So you've got those those two players I just think are really emblematic of that. Nemesikov starts on the fourth line, moves up to the second line center. And that's when that line starts having its best time. This is a guy who's brings you depth and you can use up and down the lineup. Niederreiter is the same thing. He's, he can allow you to have one of the best third lines in the game because he can grind and add skill to it and play the game the right way. But you could also add him to the first line and that would probably work as well. So out of that great signing but I just think like not enough has been said about Kevin Sheveldeos trade deadline last year where he brought that kind of culture into the Jets dressing room and convinced those guys to stay and carry on the last thought I had about it is just like I don't know how Nino Niederreiter has bounced around the league the way he has how a team didn't look at him before this and be like we need to lock this guy down longer term Mm -hmm. Rod Brindamore who had him in Carolina had a great line when he said sometimes people look at guys who bounce around and say what why is that guy not sticking why is he bouncing around so much and sometimes the answer is there's just a lot of other teams that want this guy <laughs>
1: That's a good line. Sean, yeah. uh we'll let you go on this one. You know, uh, hassan Remus had their party on I think it was uh Tuesday or Wednesday night and we had our party at Boston It was Wednesday Pizza night. On... It was the
2: night before. Okay, Little Brown Jug go. was on Wednesday. Yeah. There you go.
1: We had our party on Thursday night. Even though we're Farmery and Seagram's and Boston Pizza and all of our sponsors for life, pl- give a plug to you, uh, you and Kenny having your holiday party uh, tomorrow night
4: yeah if uh if you guys enjoyed what happened uh with with the IC boys and why would you not great lads great to spend some time with and same thing with Hustler I've been uh out to Hustler's events as well uh I I think uh you know shout out to your sponsors shout out to Hustler's sponsors shout out to our sponsors yeah. um we're I think uh, in this podcast space have been really lucky to get the support that we've got from our yeah, local man. community uh and a business community um they've really really helped us out and So that's why you guys end up at Boston pizza because they've got your backs. That's why Hustle ends up at little Brown jug. They've got your backs and we feel the exact or, or Hustle's back and we feel the exact same way. Uh, TCB trans Canada brewing company has been our essentially Kenny and Rennie bricks and mortar shop. Uh, And God, we feel lucky to be there because like all that they have going on with the, the great, products that they have there, um, and the great food and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's a place we love being, uh, and we feel like really elevates us to be associated with such a well-run organization. So we'll be there for our party tomorrow, live viewing of Kenny and Rennie uh, in the big room downstairs. is going to be like a gr- great time. So anyone out there who's looking for, uh, if you want to get out and get with like the, the hockey community, because guys, we share a lot of our hockey community oh, yeah. as well. A lot of the same names. Yep. They're great folks. They're a lot yep. of fun to be with. Uh, so if you were ever, Tre- what's had any trepidation about getting out to an event or something like that? You should check out one of Huss's events, one of the IC Boys events, or come check out our event because the, the secret sauce of those events is just a really great hockey community we have here in Winnipeg, who's just so much fun to get together with, chat hockey and watch the game with. If you're looking for that, come join us tomorrow at six o'clock at TCB. And there Sean, you, you mentioned
2: you know all the sponsors, and obviously we're grateful for all of our sponsors. Trans Canada Brewing has has done. So you guys have done such an amazing job with your events oh, you, and and Huss with, um, with Little Brown Jug, and I'm just looking forward to when we get our liver transplant donor uh, for me, that, because all of this that, drinking is
4: starting to take a toll. It's necessary. It will be necessary. I mean, I love
2: for, I love Fireball. I'm just not sure my liver does. <laughs> there you go.
1: There you go. So uh, Sean and Ken will be at uh, TCB tomorrow night. We'll be at Farmery Brewing next Saturday morning for a live broadcast as well. So we're getting the show out on the road, all of us, and we appreciate all of the, our respective sponsors uh, for uh, throwing their support behind us. Rennie, thank you, buddy. We'll do it Any again time, soon. guys. we'll catch up
2: Any again time. real soon. The most Happy holidays man to you on and yours. That and the most handsome man from Lactaboni right
4: there on the left. <laughs> There you go. Uh, there's going to be some people uh, on fire in the chat room right now but uh, I appreciate that guys.
1: Happy holidays Thanks, Sean. Sean. Be well.
4: Happy holidays. Bye-bye.
1: There you go. That's Sean Reynolds joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve hockey show. I thought you guys would have to... liked
2: that liver transplant joke a little bit more. I was hoping you would interrupt us a few more times is really what I was hoping for. That was that was well, that was my where my fingers were crossed. I mean, Drew, look, like you have known me for a long time. There's a reason why I was kicked out into the hall every single day in grade four class. It wasn't because I wasn't a great student. It's because I just never would shut up.
1: Yeah. I was hoping maybe you may have matured over the last 35 years (laughs) since then, but clearly uh, that hasn't happened. But, you know, another for the next 35 years, we'll we'll hopefully uh, see if there's any improvement on that front. Uh, Nonetheless, big thanks to Sean for joining us. Reminder, we'll be at our friends at Farmery Brewing next Saturday. Uh, Spencey's Uh, Spencey's actually there right now. Yeah, Yeah, Spencey's already setting up. He's
2: He's shoveling the snow in
1: front of two Donald. Yeah, bring a smoker, Spencey. Maybe you can smoke us. You can smoke some meat. uh, You can uh, use the farmery The Farmery
0: also has spices, which they've provided. So uh, they have spices that you can use to smoke said meat. There you go. It's going to be a party next Saturday
1: morning. Illegal Curve Hockey Show live at Farmery Brewing. We appreciate all of our sponsors, all the support that everyone gives us here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. When we come back,
2: which defenseman? As he just pointed to the
0: dinosaur, by the way.
2: Yeah, this is a dinosaur right here. Hold on. That's Seagram's. Yeah. But this is a dinosaur. Ruben got a nice little Hanukkah present from his Baba last night. Shout out to Baba. Um, And he got this nice dinosaur book. So he gave me this little, uh, hold on. He gave me this little sticker yesterday. I think it's a Brontosaurus or something. There you go. That's important. Which Dylan
1: is more important to re-sign? We'll Bob talk Lillian. about that next. Brendan or DeMello? Robert The Illegal Zimmerman. Curve Hockey Show. Shut up for a second. The Illegal Curve <laughs> Hockey Show rolls on.
4: Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet: Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends, or book your office or birthday party, even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at rumorscomedyclub.com.
1: Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed.
2: Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos.
1: Yes, that does sound like a problem.
2: What am I going to do?
0: Ezzy, relax. Rollies transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rollies and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small, Just visit Rollies.com and they will take it from there.
2: Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at Rollies.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzie, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do whoa
1: they
4: even ting through the mouth guard linden market dental center covers all your dental needs from restorative to cosmetic dentistry and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle 877 waverly see lindenmarketdental.com
3: boston pizza harnessed analytics to test if the game is better at home or at boston pizza the results are irrefutable Catch the game with Boston Pizza, powered by Fedalytics.
2: So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow
1: your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from 18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com.
4: We did it again! You're on fire, man. There's power in a handshake after a great game or great deal. It shows professionalism and respect. Two quality Zapia Group Realty take pride in. You don't build a business where 95% of your clients are referred by others without honesty, integrity, and total dedication to client satisfaction. To sell your home for more in less time, shake hands with Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Get started at zapiagroup.com.
1: Ten minutes after the top of the hour, welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. What are you guys doing? Wardrobe changes on the show now?
2: I just went full. I went full of shill. I switched over to my Farmery hat. Well, yeah, and Dave M. hooked me up with this Farmery uh, hoodie here, so I had to rock that, and then I had to get the Jays hat back on, because as you guys know, I'm the biggest Jays fan in the world. The biggest
1: <laughs> big fan in the world, by far. Just the, the, It's overwhelming how much Jays uh, merch and gear and how often you talk about the Jays. It's just, it gets to be a little tiresome. None of us have been, we've been waiting for the right opportunity. I can tell, tell you, you, I that. could
2: just ask me any stat about Bo I'll tell you oh, right I now. He was going to say, you know, J, you know the Jays such field, a good meter. The Jeff Sparkle
1: thought... tattoo that you have between your shoulder blades oh. is a little <laughs> excessive, as he. Man, uh, Juan Guzman. Juan Guzman. He's
2: a great pitcher. Juan Guzman.
1: Junior Felix for life, isn't it? <laughs> We're just gonna start naming random Jays players. uh, uh Rance Molinix. So we can just keep yeah. this going for the next. Does uh, Joe uh, Carter still play
2: for the Blue Jays?
1: No, Joe Carter doesn't play for the Blue Jays anymore, but uh, he certainly had, uh, you know, the most famous hit uh, for the Blue Jays uh, and one of the most famous hits in the history of Major League Baseball, as we all Where does that rank, though, with with the bat flip, though. Well, one won the World Series and yeah. one ultimately led the Jays to lose uh, the lose in the playoffs, uh, you know, eventually. Sure. So I'm going to go with the one that won the World Series,
2: yeah. the walk off
1: little... home run to win the World Series. That is was against on, the Atlanta
2: Braves, right? Uh, no, it was off. Wild thing, oh, Mitch Williams. It was, it was Philadelphia, Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. Oh, so that was the next year. Was against it
1: was the, the next Jays year. fan. Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's I saying, was at boys. that. Hang on. Do I have the banner? Well, I mean, I have this year. I was at that ALCS that year. So the Jays White Sox ALCS, uh, what is which this, was Blue this
2: Jays game. lunch. Yeah, and well, that was your first year of university, right, Drew?
1: <laughs> That's right. I was there. I was working as a stringer for one of the for one of the networks. Uh, you know, at that point in time. No, I was at games. Uh, what games would those have been four and five? Maybe I can't remember uh, something like that of the ALCS that year, maybe three and four. I don't remember exactly uh, what it was, but I was at that uh, ALCS back on the track of the Winnipeg jets. Yes. Uh, as we often to get derailed here on this show. Uh, and I posed the question and it was a question that we've been talking about and people have been asking me about, uh, including Thursday night at, uh, at Boston pizza. We had a lengthy conversation uh, about it. Uh, which Dylan is the priority for the Winnipeg Jets? Brendan Dylan, you know, going to be a UFA at season's end. Dylan DeMello going to be a UFA at season's end. I mean, I think the Jets would probably like to sign both of them. Uh, you know, yeah. I think they'd be happy with re-signing both. But if you could only re-sign one, which one are you re-signing? Ooh. Dave, I'll start with you on this one,
0: as he's been talking too much. It's a tough one. <laughs> well, I mean... It 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 isn't an easy situation simply because you have to look at the depth of the organization and you have to look at what you know you you think that they're going to be able to do and so you're trying to think, okay, if Vili Hainola steps up, the way and play the way he did in the preseason, which of course is preseason, but if if he it was going to continue that into the regular season. Well, we know that Josh Morrissey is going to be your number one defenseman on that left side, no questions asked. And we know that Dylan Sandberg is slowly elevating himself, maybe not so slowly, to that potentially second pairing left side defenseman. So you're one, two, a seam established. And then you know you have depth organizationally with Hainola or a Chisholm or let's say even a Stanley, that that could be your third pairing guy, potentially. So if you've got that side, but then you look on the right side and now you've already seen Nate Schmidt somewhat cast aside. Mm -hmm. Neil Pionk has had a better year, so so you're a little bit okay with Neil Pionk, and you've still got him signed after this year. But then you look at the right side from a depth perspective-wise, and we're obviously going on the presumption of what the Jets have right now, both on the team and organizationally, and not obviously what they could acquire via trade. You're looking at that, and you're saying, well, Dylan DeMello is the more critical piece because, first of all, he's a very... Underrated? Do I think Dylan DeMello is ideally a number two, like your 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 guy who's going to be paired with your top defenseman? No, I think he's more of your three, four than I think he's the two. That's obviously what we've talked about with the Jets really could use is that true number one right side defenseman, which they don't have right now. But DeMello has done a very good job. I he, he, he works very well with Josh Morrissey. Yeah. So so pairing him with Josh Morrissey, I'm not I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying in terms of if you want to talk about the Jets being elite and that sort of idea.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But but when you look at it and you think, okay, well, you've got Dylan right there, you've got Pionk. Now you're obviously the team is somewhat stating that Nate Schmidt, who still has another year on his contract after this one, is fallen somewhat out of favor, right? So you've got a situation there, and obviously you can switch a guy, and Nate Schmidt himself. Is a left shot guy who's now playing on the right side. So you know the guys can do that if they need to. But the issue becomes what are you going to do? Now look, folks will say, Well, you've got Elias Salomonsen who's playing for Schlefka over in the Swedish hockey league. Mm-hmm. Is he the guy who's going to be the next, the next coming? And we know he was uh here quite a while, stayed a lot longer than we anticipated. Obviously, went down to the moose and then went back home. Um, so will he be the guy who's gonna come up and, and play that right side? You've got Simon Lundmark who I talked to Moose assistant coach Eric Dubois about he's having a much better year. And he was talking about the idea of players winning 50, 50 battles. So is Simon Lundmark, a guy who's going to jump up and and maybe elevate into that next, that role. He's now in his third season here in Manitoba, Uh, Tyrell Bauer, another, you know, jets prospect. So to me, the right side is the bigger question mark right now, organizationally than the left is. So Mm -hmm. while I like Brandon Dillon's game, to me, sorry, I, I guess I went a little bit long as I went through the organization. But to me, the question is, I think you have to sign Dylan DeMello because you just don't have that same right side depth that you do on the left. Worth if, noting, of course, that DeMello, sorry, as DeMello is a, a few years
1: younger than Brendan Dillon as well. So mm-hmm. if you want to factor in yeah. the aging. Brendan Dylan's DeMello- 33. Dylan DeMello, I believe, is 30. That's correct. Exactly. Yeah. So there is a three year difference there. Right. You, know, you, you know, you would expect these guys are getting, you know, two or three year deals in whatever their next contract looks like. As the same question to you. Do you, you know, do you have a bone to pick with any of Mr. Manuk's analysis? Or, or are you uh echoing I never his thoughts? never have a bone to pick with
2: anything that comes out of Dave M's mouth. Um <laughs> look, if if all things he being feeds equal, you like a baby bird. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh and I agree with what both of you guys said. I think in in, in Dylan. But I think if you're factoring in age, you're factoring in salary, right? Because Demello's at three million, Dylan's at three point nine million. So I think it's safe to say that you know you're going to be most likely paying Dylan Demello less money on his next contract. I think he probably deserves a little bit of a raise, but I think you're probably talking about in that three and a half million to four right. million range. I don't think you know you're going to have to get into the five million plus range with no. either of these guys, right, boys? But I, I, I would favor Dylan Demello over Brendan Dylan for many of the reasons that Dave said. He obviously, you know, Morrissey and DeMello is a great pair. You know, is DeMello a true number one, number two defenseman? No, but he did have his career year offensively last year with what, 26, 27 points. I mean, look, at uh, Dylan DeMello, you're happy if he's in that 20 to 30 point range. He's at, I think, nine points now. So he's basically on pace for similar offensive totals as last year. Maybe, you know, less goals because I think he's stuck at one goal or two goals, right? So, uh, yeah, Demello's a great defenseman. And I think you could get him locked up for around $3.5 million a year on a four- or five-year deal. Uh, but having said that, Brendan Dillon's had a great year, and I hope that the Jets re-sign him as well, right? I don't think he's going to get a crazy raise. He's probably going to be in that you know $4 million to $4.5 million a year raise. Maybe you sign him for less years, right? Maybe you give him a, a three-year contract as opposed to DeMello. Maybe you go four years or five years based on the age. But I think, guys, it goes back to what I I mentioned in the first half an hour about the Jets being elite. I mean, the Jets' defense, they have stepped up their game, right? Like Mm -hmm. Neil Pionk is playing better than he did last year. Obviously, you know, Josh Morrissey is playing at that same high level that he has been for for many years. Um, But I think even though you could argue that the Jets need an upgrade on the right side, I mean, they're top four with Morrissey, DeMello, Brendan Dillon, and Neil Pionk. I mean, look, the stats don't lie. The Jets are not giving up as many scoring chances as they were last year. And it's not even close, right? It's like markedly better. So I think, you 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 know, ideal world, you sign DeMello and Brendan Dillon. But if it's choosing between DeMello and Dillon, I take him just because he's such a great shutdown defenseman. I I don't think
1: that I ever envisioned with this Winnipeg Jets team – And admittedly, it's not the exact same team. And the addition by subtraction is, is clearly evident. And we don't need to get any further into that. It's been flogged uh, sufficiently, but I don't think at any point in time through 25 games in the year, would Mm -hmm. I have ever believed that the teams that have given up the fewest goals at five on five. Yeah. Boston. Okay. 38 goals for goals against at five on five. Don't really have a problem with that. Well, Los Angeles, yeah, they're stingy. you got Dowdy and Kopitar. Those are defensively elite players, never mind offensively elite. Okay, I can understand L.A. having given up only 38 goals against at 5-on-5. But then the Winnipeg Jets have only given up 38 goals at Mm 5-on-5. I mean, going back to the question from the beginning of the show, are the Winnipeg Jets elite? Well, I'll tell you one thing's for sure. So far this year, their defensive play at five on five. And the big factor in this is also having Connor Hellebuck, but that's a big factor and the jets are elite defensively at five on five.
0: Sure. And, and one thing with Connor Hellebuck, I, you know, when you look at quality starts, I think he has like eight now eight straight games, giving the jets a quality start. Well, that's a pretty big factor for, for a jets club, but yeah, you're right, Drew. There's no question. The defense has been better. Even when, when Nate Schmidt was in the lineup with Dylan Sandberg, I mean pretty much anybody playing with John yeah. Stanberg has been has been elevated and and they were what were they, remember Jay Fresh put something out they were yeah. like one of the top pairing it defensive... Like money uh, puck I so was on yeah it was money puck sorry yeah. so yeah. anyways my point is that there's there you just when you're looking at it from a, a, that position and you and yeah of course people are right you have to be careful you don't want to block the the, the certain guys from from development because that's the mistake the jets made early on right we talked about that when they when they kind of stagnated things when they brought in Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon, And then you kind of limited him potentially because you had the Kovačević. you lost Kovačević, who obviously went to Montreal, but then you had Dylan Sandberg. There was question marks obviously there. And, and again, I'm a guy all for letting defensemen marinate in the AHL, a lot different than the forwards. You know, it takes a lot longer to kind of develop great gain that, that man strength that you need in the NHL to handle the opposition. Because look, Ville Hainola is never going to be Brendan Dillon, but Ville mm-hmm. Hainola had to learn body positioning at the HL level to be able to adjust to playing against guys so you could figure out how to play defensively against men. And, and that's just one of those things that he's developed, and we saw a, a better defensive player last year from, from the Moose forward and and I mean, Moose defenseman, sorry. But again, when you look at the, the organizational depth, and that's what you have to look at. We can't look at what potentially could happen. Oh, yeah, the Jets could make a trade. Yeah, they could or they might not like, I mean, of course they could make a trade and you don't want to block guys, but right now you have to look at it. And from again, to me, the guy who everybody's excited about rightly so he looked really good during the development camp and preseason season, all that stuff is Elias Salomonson and he'll most likely be over here next year. So we'll see if he's able
2: to make but that But as jump. you said, he's at least a couple years away.
0: I would think so. But, I mean, again, you never know, right? It's
2: like maybe he, he's ready to make that jump. I don't know that he is. But with the way, with the, way I, the Jets develop defensemen, true, you know. <laughs> it's good. No, you're how right. How he, many how many 19, 20-year-old defensemen have have uh, played for the Jets lately? You're right.
0: No, it, it, again, I, I'm with you. I, I believe he'll go to the moose anyways. And then, again, like I said, maybe someone like Simon Lonmark, the 2019 second rounder, he'll maybe get elevated into that potential. Because, again, one of the things that people are, uh, that I should mention is that to me, Simon landmark is almost like Dylan DeMello. He really is an unheralded guy. He doesn't make a lot of noise because he doesn't produce a ton of, of points, but he's, he's, he's solid defensively and he's getting more physical. So, I mean, do the jets have someone that could replace Dylan DeMello if, if the organization doesn't choose to sign him again? Yeah. And look, I, it was interesting because I don't know if you guys saw the 32 thoughts uh, conversation and they were talking about, right. you know, how organizations were telling Friedman, Oh, we would look at the jets and, Look, let's be realistic. The Jets aren't trading Demello or Dylan unless they fall off a complete fall off a cliff before the trade uh, the um, trade deadline. Right, they'll use them as their own rentals. And if they can sign one of them, they that's what they'll do. But they're not trading either one of those guys. So the the reality is those guys are going to be on the Jets. Uh, whether they trade Logan Stanley, we don't know. But again, they're going to have to make a decision eventually, as he right because Billy yeah. Hainola will be back. And once you do have Billy Hainola, then you're just going to have a glut of too many guys because you got Hainola, Chisholm. Schmidt and trading Stanley, and Stanley Germany... makes
2: the most sense right because you don't want to lose I mean there there I guess is the option to put Declan Chisholm on a conditioning uh, stint with the with the Manitoba Moose I think they can do that once more if I'm not mistaken you definitely says... don't want to lose him on waivers Declan Chisholm.
0: I think the rule is you're only allowed it once I right so then one. you
2: then you potentially lose him on waivers which is not going to happen we saw that happen with Johnny Kovacevic last year right So I think. I mean, if you're looking at moving a player, I know a lot of people talk about moving Nate Schmidt. I just think that contract basically makes him him. not tradable. Nobody's nobody's trading you an asset for Nate Schmidt, and then you'll you. So the Jets look look at what Zadorov got right. Like the Canucks gave up just draft picks for Zadorov. Right,
1: but I mean, you know, he had more of a market for him because you know I think people were maybe overestimating the impact that he has. I mean, he's a fine defenseman. He's not, uh, you know, they were making him out to be, you know, a panacea of a defense (laughs) for for every team that ever had any defensive issues. Now, Nate Schmidt is the, you know, obviously with you know, you know, with with six million
0: owed this year and next year, he's the one that you know is is the. I mean, look, the the salary caps going up, so you're going to have some. You're going to have some. Space. It's not going to be a I huge. I point. Jets- Nate
2: Schmidt. I think is fine if he's your number seven defenseman. Well, again, if the cap the cap is
1: look look at where the Jets are. So the cap next year is going to go up by about six million dollars, give yeah. or take. No, and the Jets really don't have to. The only UFAs the Jets have next year are are dylan and 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 Demello, and both mm-hmm. those guys are going to get a you know if let's say for argument's sake they both sign here they're going to get maybe a bit of a raise but they're not going to get a six million dollar raise to take no. up all that additional cap space so the jets won't have a salary cap crunch, no. even if they still have nate schmidt's contract on the books yeah and that's the i mean you should and, mention
2: that cole perfetti and david gustafson are both rfas RFAs pending yes, rfas so i mean perfetti's clearly going to get the bigger bump in salary. but But Gustafson will get a bit of a bump as well. But Perfetti, you're probably looking at, you know, potentially uh, a longer term contract if they don't do a bridge contract. But I'm sure the Jets want to sign him long term. I'm sure that they probably would.
1: I mean, Perfetti, of course, doesn't have any arbitration rights or anything, uh, you know, Gustafson does next year. But even Gustafson's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. The Jets won't have salary cap issues for next year, even with Nate Schmidt on the books and with giving raises uh, to DeMello and to Dylan. So they're in a good position salary cap wise. The question is, you know, to Dave's point, you know. How much lo- how much more seasoning do some of your younger guys need that you don't want to necessarily be blocking them? You know, for the next for the next wave of Jets defensemen and, and everything along those lines. So the Jets defense is in a good position. You know, still all the questions that we've talked about, but it'll be certainly a uh, an interesting one to watch. Do the Jets try and get something done with Demelo? Do they try and get something done with Dylan uh, before the end of the season to you know keep? uh keep them on the roster two guys who bring a lot to uh, a lot to the team uh you know even in, if it's not necessarily on the score sheet but they bring a lot to the team when you watch them play at uh 5 on 5 etc and on the pk of course for both of them as well when we come back Craig Button of TSN is set to join us just in case you wonder if I disappear in the middle of the segment I have a family obligation so if I go and just go poof that's why I'm I go and go poof and that's in in that case Dave and Ezzy. I wish you would
2: disappear every segment Drew. I wish <laughs> you'd make that sound as you disappeared though. That'd be kind of
0: fun. Just go poof and gone, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, you guys It won't be uh... weird. Craig won't be like what the hell's going on? Why am I on this show? But sure. There you go. You
1: guys will have it. It'll be in your good hands if I uh, all of a sudden vanish in the middle of a segment. Craig Button up next. It's Saturday morning. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. Commercial free from now till the end of the broadcast. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you on this Saturday morning. Reminder, the Illegal Curve post game show tomorrow, right about 9.45 or so. Mercifully, it's not a late game. Uh, those Tuesday and Wednesday late games are going to be a Ooh. bit of a uh, when I'm setting up the, the post games and I'm setting them up and they the post game starts at 12.15am <laughs> the next day that's always a little bit of a oh. You get sort of punched in the belly a little bit when that, when that sort of thing happens. But tomorrow night, 945, the Jets and the Ducks, the Illegal Curve postgame show, will talk about everything that happens in Southern California to talk about the Winnipeg Jets, to talk about the upcoming World Junior Hockey Championships. Our good friend Craig Button joins us on the program now. Craig, good morning. How are you? Nice to see you again. Happy holidays.
3: Well, um, all the same things to to you three gentlemen, Uh, but I got to tell you, it disappoints me. You know, you take viewership away from TSN when uh, uh, you do your post-game show. Nobody nobody wants to hear what we have to say because they tune in into you guys. So you're you're cutting my grass, as they say. No,
0: Craig, that's actually not true, though, because those folks will get a chance to watch you on IllegalCurve.com because I always feature your comment on the website. So it's always available
3: for yeah, Jets fans yeah. to watch.
2: We never take away viewers from you, Craig. I, never.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All kidding aside. So, how are you guys on this Saturday? We finally got snow in Calgary. I was in Winnipeg last week yeah. uh, for the Edmonton and Chicago. I can't believe the weather in Winnipeg. I mean, plus two, three degrees, no snow. I drove out to Brandon on Friday. I don't think I've ever had a drive to Brandon in, uh, in on on a Friday night in December where it wasn't at least minus fifteen and or blowing snow. Well, it's
1: good that you went last Friday and not last night because the <laughs> snow came last night, so we got to we have to. Did it? Okay, yeah. It finally came. We left. got thirty
3: centimeters here. I shoveled our blue snow three times yesterday. So. We did
1: not get thirty centimeters. So you you worked a lot harder than we did. We got probably about I don't know. I'm I'm gonna say four or five centimeters. Something that uh, is very manageable. But uh, like it definitely is is the grass is finally gone. I missed out on another opportunity to rake my lawn. I'll have to start <laughs> shoveling it instead of raking it at this point in time. But that's okay. Uh, Craig obviously brought you on talk as I mentioned the Jets talk a little bit about the world juniors Uh, I mean you watch the Jets as closely as we do you see them night in night out more or less you know at any point over the last number of years did you ever think that the Jets would be able to be considered an elite defensive team because at five on five. They are tied with the Boston Bruins and the Los Angeles Kings for the fewest goals against at five-on-five. And that's a stat to me that is still, even though I've come to grips with it, it's still, to me, shocking given all the previous context and all the previous discussions that we've had about the Winnipeg Jets over the last number of years.
3: Yeah, and we've had those discussions. And, you know, I I think that credit has to go to Rick Bonus and his coaching staff. Uh, I mean, the improvements were made last year. They the market improvements were made last year, and and now we're seeing even more improved play uh, in that regard. And and, and you, certainly the coach, you know, has to instill uh, a system of, of of team play that you know has attention to defensive detail, and that certainly was the case last year. A couple of things that I would say this year have, have pushed it to, to a higher level. They're deeper in their forward group. They they play a lot less in their own zone uh, because they're they're so good on uh, like playing in the offensive zone. I mean, you watch the game on Thursday night versus Colorado, and that was a big that was a big time game by two big time teams. And Kevin Sawyer kept talking about just pr- pressing and pressing. Rick Bonus said we want to put pressure on them. Well, you can't put pressure on teams if you don't have players you can put pressure on. Mm-hmm. I, I I keep going back to Adam Lowry at the beginning of the season. He said, Pierre-Luc Dubois is better individually than the three players we acquired, but we're a better team with the three players we acquired. <laughs> Bigger, faster, stronger, deeper. That's what the Winnipeg Jets are. The, the, the template for success in the National Hockey League when we talk about Stanley Cup, it's there. Whether it be the Vegas Golden Knights, the Colorado Avalanche, the Tampa Bay. And if, the reason the Tampa Bay Lightning have fallen off, well, there's no Goodrill, there's no Gord, there's no Coleman, there's no Palat, there's no Kalorn." That's why they've fallen off. They they still have the top end guys. It's the reason why I I, I will not have Toronto or Edmonton as a Stanley Cup favorite. They, they they don't have enough depth in their forward group. And so when we watch this team, I think that the depth of the team is really good. The coaching depth, and then I also think that you have played. You know, you've had the opportunity to watch Mark Shifley since he turned pro, and you're watching Mark Shifley now being elite elite two-way center. I mean, he had a shift the other night versus in the offensive zone in of the third period where he owned it. He he didn't have any points in the game, and I thought that was a complete win by every single player in that lineup for the Jets. But he doesn't need to score now. To help, yeah, he's going to score, but he doesn't need to to help the team win. And and I think that that becomes infectious. When your best players, I, you listen to Mike Medano talk about what it meant for him to to be put in those situations by Ken Hitchcock. He said, I resisted it at first, and I realized, wait a sec, I I can do more than just score. I I think that's where Mark Scheifele finds himself now. And so you have players that are dialed into it. We know Adam Lowry's dialed into it. Nemesnikov, who's out right now, has been really good. But I I, I think you combine those things together, and, and that's why you're seeing such a strong defense. What is it, 15 straight games with three or less goals against? like 15 Incredible. straight yeah it is and and they were a little shaky at the beginning and, and connor was a little bit shaky at the beginning hellebuck now i mean he, he's right back to i mean he he's elite. i mean it's funny connor hellebuck and connor mcdavid maybe didn't start out the way that we expect to see them play but there's no question that they have returned to their uh you know elite level status of play in the national hockey league
2: Craig, by the way, 15 is soon going to be 16 straight games with the Jets-Ducks coming up uh,
3: tomorrow (laughs) night. All due respect to the the
2: Ducks, but they're not exactly a, a powerhouse offensive team. But, you know, we mentioned we want to touch on the 2024 World Juniors with you. And, you know, it doesn't seem like that long ago that we were talking about Cole Perfetti with you prior to the draft. And then after the Jets took Perfetti, speaking of guys that were good World Junior players for Team Canada, right? And uh, based on what you said back then, are you at all surprised? I think I know the answer to this about the way Cole Perfetti is playing this year because I think you would agree he's opening up a, a lot of eyes uh, around the NHL, especially outside Winnipeg.
3: You, you know, it's interesting. You know, Cole and and, and Quinton Byfield went in the same draft. Alexander Holtz, who got drafted by the New Jersey Devils, they all went in the top ten. And what you're seeing now from all three of those players, and I picked out those three, even Lafreniere. Even Lafreniere, who went first overall. You know, those four players have really now, at at, at the ripe old age of 21, starting to emerge <laughs> as players of the team. Our society is not patient. We, we, and and I say that as, as you know, we're not patient with things. We th- That's just the way we are. You know, we take our phones and we get on our phones. What did I miss? You know, we're, we're anxious to get somewhere fast. We want instant gratification and it's no different in hockey. And so a player gets drafted high and there's an expectation that the player is going to get there right away. You know, there's a development path, and, and and players are going to be along different development paths. As long as they're progressing, and and working at, at the progression, I, I think there's every reason to remain confidence in the players. But what we're seeing with 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 those four players, and and specifically now Cole, th- th- that's what the projection is. It, it it takes players different timelines to get to where you know they can become really productive and 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 it becomes it, it does fans like expect it and 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 teams might expect it to a certain degree players expect it so, so you really got to coalesce around the the process of development and and, and just kind of go okay keep working keep doing it and what i would say is his Cole has arrived but he hasn't arrived fully there is still so much room in his game to take his level of play higher and i think he will take it higher i don't think there's any question he will take it higher but when you start with the brain that Cole Perfetti has, he, he's got a fantastic brain. He's got fantastic hands, and he's a competitor. Those Those qualities all add up to being able to have success in the National Hockey League. And I think they're on display. And I think for the Winnipeg Jets, you know, again, you got a deeper team, right? Like, I mean, you think about Mark Scheifele the way he, he's playing. I mean, I know Cole's playing some center. They're they're debating is he a center, is he wing, but he's insulated now too. He doesn't get put into situations that he can handle. Rick Bonus has opportunities to put him out against players and in situations that he's that he's better capable of handling right now than putting him in over his head. And I think that that speaks back to the team being deeper, and certainly Cole is is demonstrating why the the winnipeg jets drafted them and, and why people are high on them and, and again just we, we need we all need to take a little deep breath at times and be patient with the players you, i i know i'm not telling any of you something you don't know you'd be amazed how, how many times they oh you're worried about this guy you're worried and, and the world junior's coming up and a player will go to that tournament and go oh geez that guy didn't play very good are you concerned I concerned. No, I'm not concerned. Like it's it's a best on best tournament. Like this is a top level tournament. Not like and, and sometimes players get in there. They're a little bit green. They're a little bit wide eyed. And you know, I've seen players come in a tournament that like if they're 18 and play, then the next year they come back and they're dominant. But we want to make quick judgments. And I I, I would just say to everybody, just just watch, watch for progression, watch for, for progression, and go from there.
0: You know, Craig. One of the things we talked about, if we were having this conversation in the summer, was the uncertainty surrounding the Winnipeg Jets. Then they signed Connor Hellebuck mm-hmm. and and Mark Scheifele, and it seems like things are established. Then on Monday they signed Nino Niederreiter, and we're talking about the culture. and Rick Bonus has talked about that quite a bit. turning changing the culture both on and off the ice. We talked about the on ice performance here, but. A guy like Nino Niederreiter, getting that three-year deal, getting that permanence, when you hear him talk, I mean, it was an optional at, at Hockey for All Center on Tuesday. I'm there. There's not a lot of players, media or players, but the fact is there. the reality was he was on the ice with a lot of the guys who were the fourth liners, the scratches. He's there. He's working, even though he just signed a three-year deal. What are the Jets getting in a guy like that who brings that both on and off culture to the room?
3: I'm going to answer your question before I get on my rant. I and mean, it doesn't take me long to get on a rant. so but 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 your question I want to answer that. You know, Nino is a really well-rounded player and 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 I think when I use the word well-rounded, he, he he's a really good skater. he's a competitor. he's got size. he can put points up on the board. you know he he can be up I, I talked about playing like in the offensive zone and wearing out an opponent. Kevin Sawyer used the uh, term, on thursday night he said the fourth line has been full value so let me define and i did i did it on the bride i said here's what full value means it means that when you go out on the ice it's not an easy shift for the opponent the opponent is sitting on their bench going wow i I have no chance to rest mentally or physically because it's going to be a challenge so that third line now with, with nino and adam and and mason I mean, that's an outstanding third line in the National Hockey League. That that's one of the very best third lines in my view in the National Hockey League. And so Nino can do so many things in the game. I mean, the the pace that he plays, I I, I said bigger, faster, stronger, deeper. Nino added that when they traded for him last year. Obviously, the three Kings players added that. And 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 now and now you're now you're wearing out opponents. And and, and Nino is a is a player that is no fun to play against because he's not going to, he's, he's not, he's not a player that's going to uh, what I would say, punish you. In, in with respect to, but he leans on, he's heavy. My dear late friend, Brad McCrimmon said he hated playing against players. that just, leaned on you because it goes it was just a constant it was it was like you you're trying to shed this weight and you can't <laughs> do it and that's to me what nino does and, and 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 yes he's got skill and yes he's got some so what he is and i think the contract's fantastic for uh for for the winnipeg jets and for nino Niederreiter. but i think that that those types of players become really valuable i will say this I mean, I, I I think now Kevin probably is turning his attention to number two and number five because I think they've been really valuable, Dylan DeMello and Brendan Dillon, to this team. And you know, as pending unrestricted free agents, as you're trying to build that culture. Now, you you, you know, my little my, my little rant is is about and and we heard this across all like, oh, players don't want to stay in Canada. Players don't want to stay in Canada. Players don't want to stay in Canada. Well, Kevin Cheville Dayoff certainly has dispelled that notion. And the Winnipeg Jets have certainly dispelled that notion with Connor Hellebuck committing long term, Mark Scheifele committing long term, Nino Niederreiter committing long term. You know, we already saw Kyle Connor committing long term. And, you know, and you look at you look at an environment, you look at culture. And Nino talked about it. He goes, I look around here, I come here, he played last year, he sees Scheifele and Hellebuck committing. And he says, We got a good team. I want to be here. Create a good team, be being an environment where players can feel valued. I think I, I don't think there's enough credit given to Rick Bonus and his coaching staff for valuing players. You know, we all remember the end of the end of the season last year and how mm-hmm. frustrated Rick was, and and some blowback. But Rick values his players, and and I think that there's no way players are not going to uh, sign long term knowing Rick Bonus is the coach without having that belief, and and, and I think they do. And Kevin Shuttle day off. And I'm a I, I love Kevin. I really do. I mean, he's he's a longtime friend, and I have great respect for him. But you know, when he believed in the group heading into last season, I, I think that was important. He believed he thought we 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 could take steps forward. But when he realized that no, I got to change the group, he did. And I know I know as a manager, sometimes why didn't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why haven't you done that? But like the first step was I think the group can do it, and, and having belief in a group. Sometimes is is important, and, and then you get another answer. Kevin got another answer, and he said, "I got to change it," and he did. And kudos to him because I think the environment and the culture with the Winnipeg Jets has been really, 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 really good. And, and listen, they got some really good young players in the system that are that, that are going to emerge here in the next. 12, 18, 24 months that are just going to add to this group. Cause this is not a group that's, that's old or aging out. This is a, this is a group that is really moving up as a, as a real strong team in the national oculate
1: Craig, you talk about, you know, players moving up the team, moving up. Dylan Sandberg has just continued to take strides mm-hmm. on, on the back end for the Winnipeg jets. You know, as he continues to develop, because really still only his second full season, as he continues to, to, to develop, what are you, so what's the next step in his development from your perspective? I mean, his underlying numbers this year, particularly defensively have been absolutely tremendous. Some of the best defensive metrics, you know, in the NHL for, uh, on the back end, what do you see as his next sort of level, the next ladder, the next rung on the ladder for him to achieve?
3: I, I, he's got to get his sexiness up because that's where people will start to notice. He, he's got start doing toe drags and dangling so everybody can see how good he is. <laughs> tongue firmly <in laughs> he, he's, yeah he, he's from Hermantown, Minnesota. I mean he won championships at the lake there. He won championships at UMD. The, the, Dylan is a winner. He, he's a, and the, the, when you watch Dylan play and this is just my statement on Dylan because I, I, I love the way Dylan plays. And you want him on your team. You don't want to play against him. You want him on your team because he he's all in. He's all in for winning. He's in it to win it. And 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 Dylan delivers. He's a competitor. And to your point, uh, Drew, he is now a player that like what, what he gives you is incredibly important uh, to success. And, and certainly that. And and I think what you're seeing with Dylan. It's not so much what more he needs to do. I think you're seeing him be more confident, being a little bit more patient with the puck. He's not looking to just get rid of the puck. You know, he's, the game on Thursday, and, 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 you know, just a little sidebar here. How many times do we hear the term play fast? We hear it all the time, right? If people want to know what playing fast is, watch that game on Thursday night because it was played fast from a physical point of view, a mental point of view, an offensive point of view, a defensive point of view. There was times in that game. And, you know, when you watch players in that type of an environment where you got to think just as fast as you, as you move, you know, a lot of times, just get rid of the puck. I, I I counted the times that Dylan just settled, came up the ice, made a nice little pass and, and away they went. That's a player that's settling in confident with the speed in the game And I think that – I don't think he's ever going to be a big offensive player. But I think much like Brendan Dillon has become a real significant presence on the blue line through his own play, and and I think that's a really good mentor for Dillon, that's what I expect Dillon to to, to continue to evolve. Just that rock solid, this is who I am, this is what you're going to get, and you're never going to come – and I'm never going to give you anything less than that. That's what I – and I think we're seeing that. Again, I'm talking about progression. That's what we're seeing with Dylan. But you, you, there's a lot of teams that can use uh, a, a Dylan Sandberg and, and a Brendan Dillon, And I'm talking about teams that talk about, think they're Stanley Cup contenders. <laughs> like, give me a break. <laughs>
1: Craig Button our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show on this Saturday morning. Craig, thank you for the answers. I'm going to depart. Dave and Ezzy are going to take it from here. I got a family obligation I got to run to. But it is always great to see you and we always appreciate your time and and everything else. So Dave and Ezzy will, uh, will drive this bus home for the next uh, 10 or so minutes or so.
3: Thanks, Drew, and enjoy uh, enjoy the time with your family.
2: Thank you, Craig. Okay, so Craig, now that we've got rid of the dead weight, we can transition over <laughs> to the, uh, the the twenty twenty four World Junior Hockey Championship, and uh, which obviously Team Canada's as as you know the national junior team selection camp begins tomorrow in Oakville. As you know, I do communications for Hockey Manitoba, so got to give a shout out. To Connor Geeky of Strathclair, Denton Matechuk of Dominion City. They're obviously going to be participating. And the question I wanted to ask you was just your with two and a half weeks to go before uh Team Canada's first game, what is your outlook? Because we know uh Owen Beck is the only re- returning player. Obviously, Canada is always going to be a favorite at the world junior. So, what's kind of standing to you when the junior detection cap gets underway tomorrow?
3: about this There's, team a couple of things it's yeah yeah a couple of things stand out you know one of the things is, is the way the tournament is set up now it, it it's really imperative that a team gets better as the tournament goes on and 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 i think that that has become a full realization for 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 all countries participating and no you you want to win every game but it's about the it's about the progression canada lost their first game last year to the czechia on on opening day and again, I talk about players and everything, you know, you know, chicken little, the sky's falling. Oh, can you believe? Oh, what are they going to do? Oh, my Lord. Like, you know, listen, I, I've seen it now and, and I've seen it from a lot of different countries. Build, build, build. So that's number one for, for Hockey Canada with this group. Uh, you know, there's no Connor Bedard there. There just isn't. Uh, you know, Joshua Watt, an exceptional offensive player. They're, Dylan Gunther, they're just not there. So what what we what what they're going to have is is a different type of team, and th- they're going to be long and, and, and competitive defensively on the blue line. I mean, they got some really good, big, strong players. Dent Matejchuk is going to run the power play just like Olin Zellerger ran it, and I think that uh, you know that becomes really important for that part of the game. But they're going to be big in the middle of the ice. They they're, they're, obviously they have some skill in some of their forwards but they want to be bigger on the walls than smaller. The the, the skilled guys are going to play in the top part of the the thing, and then they're going to be big and hard to play against. You know, we talk about top six, bottom six. It's going to be a top nine, and they want to have a really hard fourth line, a hard fourth line that go like like a Morgan Barron, (laughs) David Gustafson, (laughs) you know, that type of a fourth line, like, you know, that goes out there and grinds you and, and, like, makes life, Really, really difficult for you, and you know, you. I mean, Axel has come in and played really well in the absence of Rasmus Kupari, and you know, he's been really good with his speed. But that, they want to have a hard fourth line, not not, not a top, not a top nine, and all fourth line goes out there. They want that fourth line to go out and and, and really be a hard to play again. The goaltending might be a little bit unknown. But that's not the first time Canada's gone into a tournament with, with with what I would consider unknown goaltending. It's known to them, and and uh, Mathis Russo is a really good goaltender in Halifax. Joel Hoffer, there's a Manitoba shout out again. Let's not forget in 2020 that he he, he him and uh, and uh, Dawes came into the. T- they weren't well known. Dawes got the start in that tournament again. Canada lost, and then Hoffer took it over. Right to the gold medal. They have really mm-hmm. good, dependable goaltending. They really do. And Dom when Winnipeg Jets draft pick, yeah. you know, it, to me, Rousseau uh, Russo and, and and Dom are going to be the, the two goaltenders. That's a good spot. They've both been really good. And, and I think that the team can rely on steady, consistent, mature goaltending. The blue line's going to be longer and, and hard to play against. They're going to defend the middle of the ice. Everybody talks about the big ice no 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 the big you don't have to worry about outside the dots go play out there Go play out there you know it's like going on lake manitoba go out there i don't care where you are (laughs) you know here's our net here's the front of the net and we're going to defend this hard and and that's it like don't buy into any of this big ice stuff like you got to play inside the dots and 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 these players are going to uh are going to defend hard inside the dots are going to attack inside the dots offensively i think i think usa and sweden start off the tournament as co-favorites. They've won the last two U18 championships. They both played in the championship game of the U18. Sweden beating USA in 2022 and USA beating Sweden in 2023. So they're mature teams are good teams. You're right. Canada will always be competitive. And I think that there's a lot of confidence in the group. And – one of the things that I think becomes really important for Team Canada is being encouraged to be who you are. You're not going to be last year's team, and I think Alan Latang and the, and the management group are going to really emphasize that with the with the play and let them be their own, like have their own identity in their own group. And I, I, I listen, they're going to be they're they're going to be playing. They're going to be playing on the fourth in a semifinal. I have no doubt about that. And I think that from there, that's where you hope your game is in order and let's go. Well, hopefully we'll be listening. I
0: believe Dennis is doing the broadcast again. So hopefully we'll be hearing our friend Dennis Bayak making the call. Always iconic. You'll be hearing him. You'll be hearing him. Always iconic. When we get to hear uh, the Winnipeg, the pride of Winnipegosis, Craig, he may live in in BC now, but he's always going to be the pride of Winnipegosis. But you know Usually, there's a lot of excitement for Jets fans. They get a chance to watch prospects in the in the World Junior, and, and this year, they won't have that same level because Colby Barlow, obviously, dealing with some injuries, so he wasn't an invite. Rucker McGority, he obviously has that injury he sustained in the game for Michigan. I know he was invited to the U.S. camp, but we'll see if he's going to be ready to go. Uh, what about Elias Salamonsen and Fabian Wagner? Those are the two guys who are going to be playing for Sweden. <laughs> Salamonsen's an interesting character because I wasn't expecting him to be back in Winnipeg for training camp, and then he was here in, in training camp, and he was staying. Then suddenly he was on the moose. They eventually sent him back to Schlefka. But uh, to me, he's the guy who a lot of Jets fans are excited because we talk about depth in the organization and that right side defensively. He's kind of like that prized, uh, the Villy Hainola of the right side right now, Craig.
3: He's a, he, uh, Eli, he, he's a big-time competitor. That's He's a big-time competitor. You know, you look at that Swedish blue line. You know, they, they have a really competitive group back there. You know, Tommy V. Lander, who was Vancouver's first round draft pick, Salamonson. Like, this isn't a freewheeling skate up the other. They can do that, but they, they compete hard defensively. They compete. You've got to be a hard defender, and that's what Salamonson is. And Sal Monson's going to play in the National Hockey League. I, you know, I know watching him, you, you know, you're looking at different parts of his game. And you're going, okay, he he has just gone this way. He's gone, he's gone right nicely in that progression, as I talked about. And I, I, I believe he will be an NHL player, or a regular NHL player. But good, hard defending and not, not hesitant to jump in the attack. You know, if I had to use just kind of a Winnipeg Jets comparable, you think about when they acquired Dylan DeMello. So Dylan, okay, what type of defenseman is he? Okay, you know four or five, right? Well, you watch Dylan play now. Dylan's not afraid to jump into the attack. He he he, he competes hard. He plays like in the defensive zone, but he, and that's what that, that's how Salamonson plays. He plays that kind of style of game, and he'll be really good. Fabian Wagner is going to be a really important part of this team. The, the you know he was part of the team that won the gold medal to U eighteen. You know he returns. He, he knows what the tournaments about. And I think that, you know, he's quick, he's fast, he can and, – and again, we talk about depth in your lineup. That's what the Swedes have. They have lots of depth through their lineup. And it allows Fabian to get in there and, and, and contribute offensively. And, you know, I'll just finish with Rector. And I have a man crush on Rector, just like I have a man crush on Colby. And Colby would be on the team if he, if he had run uh, into the injuries. Rector will be the captain of USA. If, uh, if if he's able to play, and and maybe they should just have him there anyway to be the captain because his leadership is, is is unbelievable and his spirit is infectious. So I know they're really and and it might be a case. It really might be a case where he he goes over there. Maybe he doesn't play the first couple of games. You know, as he tries to ramp up. If, if the if the injury is progressing in, in, in a manner that's uh, that's satisfactory to everybody, Jets included. Jets are a part of this evaluation. With Rector McGrody, as they should be, University of Michigan, obviously. But don't don't be surprised if, if he's making that progress. That maybe he doesn't play game one or two, but you know they're they're getting him ramped up to come back in, you know, and you know a little bit uh, later in the tournament.
0: Well, Craig, you might have a man crush on Barlow and Rutger McGroity, but we have a man crush on you, and we always appreciate it. <laughs> and
2: your you. spirit is also infectious, Craig.
0: <laughs>
3: oh. <And we laughs> Thanks, Ezra. I, I really appreciate that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we, we always appreciate whenever you can join us on, on a Saturday morning. And you know what, Craig, I actually meant to ask you when you were in the press box, but I didn't want to interrupt you because I knew you were doing TSN stuff. I was like, you're welcome to join us on a post-game show. Anytime you want, if you're here in Winnipeg, or anytime, really, you can always join us
3: for a chat for the post-game show. You're never interrupting me, just just honestly. Like, <laughs> I'm up there, you know, like, I mean, listen, Freddie Muslachuk, who's just a wonderful person, I mean, right. a lot of times he's, he's dragging me. Craig, we need you here in three minutes. We need you here. So don't worry. Don't worry about that. Like, you always, just always do that. And and, and so I'll finish with this, you know, wishing wishing everybody, you know, best of the holiday season and, and certainly a prosperous new year. But Ezra, my question's for you. Where's Shohei's plane going to land? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I was joking that I'm the biggest
2: Blue Jays fan ever wearing this hat. I'm obviously a bit of a, a bandwagon Fairweather fan. But, uh, yeah, I, I just found out recently that actually wasn't Shohei's plane. So it's pretty funny. Hassan Hus and Remus had the, the flight path up on Winnipeg Sports Talk yesterday. It's pretty funny. But I, I think you would agree, Craig, that this is the biggest signing in, in Canadian sports history. I think Twitter almost blew up yesterday.
3: Is he going to sign, though?
2: It looks like he is. I mean, I, I don't know. Okay. I don't follow it as, as much as others, but, I mean, it seems like the reports are coming out that it's he's going to sign. But, um, yeah, I guess it's not really done until it's done, right?
3: Hey, hey listen, I, I think it would be uh, the Blue Jays are Canada's team and signing Notani would be unbelievable. You're right. There's the, I mean, it, it, it might be as big as Henderson in 72.
0: <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anytime we can have you on craig we always appreciate it so thank you for for spending part of your saturday morning with us we uh we really appreciate your time and your insight
2: thanks so much craig thanks guys take care
0: okay there he goes that's uh craig button of course of tsn knows pretty much everything there is about the jets and and jets prospects and that's why we always love Well, we love having him on because he's he's a great guest but he's always provides tons of insight for folks to uh to to listen to and and to uh, digest so Thanks for, for, we've got, apparently we've got empty Drew Mandel as he decided to bring Drew, Drew back didn't somehow, sign but... off.
2: So I thought I'd bring him in. Drew, I, I really enjoyed your insights on today's show. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, Drew, Craig? hold on. Drew, I have a question. What, what do you think about
0: uh, Craig Button's insight? Did you think it was good? Because I thought it was good. Anyways. Whew, well, Drew, what are you going
2: to have for lunch today? <laughs> Drew, how should... often do you think about the Roman empire? Oh, I don't know. How, long, how often does he think about the Roman Empire?
0: Well, regardless, let's get rid of Mendel. Even his little thing is bugging me. This is the this is the Manuk ginsburg experience, just like everybody wanted. You spent your Saturday morning with us. So you'll be spending your Sunday night with us on the Illegal Curve post-game show. We'll, of course, have uh, coverage. The Jets are practicing, so there'll most likely be a practice report on a little site called IllegalCurve.com. Oh, Spencey wants to be the wants to be Drew. No, as he's got to go, Spency. We don't have time for shenanigans as much as I want. No moose minute. I'll save that for tomorrow. The moose were in action last night. They're in action tomorrow. So I'll do a little moose doubleheader on the post-game show. So thanks everyone for joining us. A big thanks to all of our sponsors of Illegal Crew we make the Saturday show, the website a possibility. They are Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Roley's Transfer, The Rink. Guys, whoops, that's an old one. That's no longer the rink, guys. And Farmery Beer. Support these fine businesses because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. Well, as I don't know where the time flies, but sometimes it does when you're having fun. And that's what we did this Saturday morning with all of you. So thank you for spending your Saturday with us on Illegal Curve. I'm Dave Manuke. He's Ezra Ginsburg. Make sure you smash that like button before you get your Saturday started. Be safe. Happy holidays, everyone. And we will talk to you tomorrow night on the Illegal Curve post-game show. This has been another broadcast of Illegal Curve Hockey. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more
4: great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, illegalcurve.com.